Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of July 22nd, 2021, including EA held their non-E3 EA Play summer event this week, where we got confirmation of a Dead Space remake. The Coalition may be working on a new game that is not Gears of War. Ubisoft makes a Tom Clancy Call of Duty mobile-looking game, and more. Seriously, it looks like Call of Duty Mobile or Black Ops 3 circa 2015. It's, 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 whatever. Welcome to Xbox On, guys. Another installment, another week, episode 111. That's 111. Looks good. Looks nice. When you're staring at your, your phone screen saying, for 111 weeks, this guy's been doing the Xbox On. This binary? What is this? Guys, I wanted to start off today's show with a little congratulations to someone out there in the audience, Mr. Omar, Mr. Marketer Gaming, who's been supporting the show since pretty early on, the early, early days of Xbox On. So let me just read this little comment Omar wrote in and said, How are you, my friend? I can't believe it's finally happening, but on the 29th, I'm going on a road trip from California to Washington so I can start my career at Xbox in Redmond. For this 18-hour drive, I'm heavily relying on your podcast, so don't be afraid to do a long show. Marketer Gaming, Omar, uh, has been working, actually. I know you did a uh, kind of like an internship or some kind of like temporary stint with uh, with Xbox recently. So I just wanted to read this comment and extend my congratulations to you on the show to say, you know, I mean, dude, congrats on the job. I mean, that's that's the dream, right? You turned you turned uh, the opportunity of a lifetime into, you know, the career, you know, like a dream career. So so this is really exciting and I'm really, really happy for you. I just want to extend that congratulations and put that on the show and put that out there for all of you. And now Omar be careful. When you get to Xbox now, you know, you're officially Xbox. You're on you're on the real team. So so when you get there, you're repping the Xbox on brand. So for better or for worse, you know, be careful about <laughs> be careful about that. Maybe maybe don't let, you know, if this show ever gets to a point where people at Xbox start noticing that it exists, maybe you don't want to let them know that you uh listen to it. It might 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 get us all in trouble. So <laughs> Might get yourself in trouble. I don't know, but no. But just seriously, I wanted to say a big congratulations. It's a massive accomplishment. It's a really, really exciting moment. I'm very happy for you. I'm sure your friends and family are also incredibly proud of you. So, just wanted to put that positivity and that really exciting news out there and say, hey, guys, we got someone. We got someone official at Xbox now, with eyes and ears on the show. So let's watch ourselves. Let's be very, let's be very buttoned up about this operation. Speaking of this operation, I just wanted to. Note that you may be saying to yourself, Jesse, where the where the hell has today's episode been? Why the hell is it posting so late? Well, you bad listener, let me tell you what. If you're right now, like my mom, calling me saying, why didn't the podcast go up today? Is everything okay? I'm going to say thanks for outing yourself as a bad listener. Because last week on the show, I clearly said that thanks to EA Play this week, we're going to have to delay the recording to accommodate the news. But some of you... Just don't listen. Some of you are too busy trying to listen to two or three podcasts all at the same time for the sake of efficiency. And what's happening is you're you're missing crucial information. So yeah, it might be great that you're listening to you know you I don't know what you what you're fucking listening to your Joe Rogan and your Xbox on and your Nintendo Power podcast all at the same time. That's great. You're trying to get so much information. Guess what? You're not retaining it. So listen close because I'm only going to say it once once more. 
because it's not going to be relevant news next week. But yeah, today, today's episode was delayed from its regular Thursday, 9 a.m. Eastern time released it, release time to late, late, late Thursday night. It's right. It's currently Thursday evening. I'm recording the show. Uh, I just got back from work, had a little Taco Bell settled in, watched the EA uh, play live event, and now I'm ready to record the show with all the week's news plus the EA live information so that we don't have an extremely dated episode where, you know, the show goes up on Thursday morning, EA live happens four hours later, and then you guys have to wait a full seven days to hear the podcast takes on on that event. It just doesn't make sense. So all in all, by the time the show goes up, it'll have been like a 15 or 17 hour delay. We had to make sacrifices sometimes, okay? This is just what we had to do. I appreciate your understanding, your cooperation, your patience. The wait is over. If you're listening to this, clearly the show is live now. Probably going live pretty late, but thank you for your understanding nonetheless. Now, with that out of the way, we got a couple of housekeeping items to take care of, aside from the two we've already gone through, so just bear with me real quick. Now, again, heads up, if you don't give a shit about Twitch, if you don't give a shit about streaming, feel free to skip the next two minutes of the podcast, because I don't want to waste your time. But again, I just want to make another shout out. I am now on Twitch as lightning mixstream twitch.tv slash lightning mixstream if you're looking for a link to it find that in the youtube show notes or or description whatever but guys i said if we can hit 50 followers on twitch we'll start doing streams and guys we surpassed it we're like 57 right now so first of all i just want to say a big thank you to all of you who went out there followed me on twitch and supported I really, really, really appreciate that. It honestly, honest to God, makes uh, it means the world to me. I really, really thought that we were going to be struggling for a couple months trying to hit 50. I was really worried about just being really embarrassed and looking really bad. Like, yeah, let's uh, let's try a modest 50 followers, and then you know, like six weeks into this, I'd be like, come on, guys, we're at 23. We can get there. So uh, I'm really really humbled and appreciative that we not only hit the 50, but we've already exceeded the 50. So I, I want to say a big thank you to that. Thank you to all of you for that. Now, obviously, I'm going to tell you to keep subscribing or keep following rather because I want to grow and grow and grow uh, our little community that we're starting here on Twitch. Now, last week, I promised you a little bit of scheduling update. So here's what I have so far. So obviously, this week, we won't be on Thursdays because everything is fucked up due to the podcast. But on a normal week, the schedule for Twitch will go as follows. Mondays from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And the end time is a little like up in the air. It can go over. I don't care. But at least 8 to 10 p.m. on Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays, we will stream on twitch.tv slash lightning extreme. Monday nights are going to be community game nights. So this past Monday, we played Halo. A bunch of you jumped in. We played some Halo. I played really, really bad. It was incredibly embarrassing. I, I actually played worse than I normally do. I wasn't joking when I told you I'm not that great at Halo, even though I love it to death. But it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate all you guys that jumped in the stream. We had a decent handful of you that came and came and went, and it was a lot of fun. I really, really appreciate that. So Monday nights will be community game night. We can do Halo. We can do um, Black Ops Zombies. We could do you know whatever the hell you guys are feeling. Someone recommended we play Sims. That's not going to happen, but we could do you know we could do something. So that's Monday nights. Thursday nights are whatever the hell. So it could be whatever I'm currently playing, or it can be something the community votes on. But it's not necessarily going to be a community night. It's just going to be regular streams. These things are all subject to change after we kind of get into a groove with the with the stream. But for now, this is the tentative plan. And then lastly, on weekends, I want to try to fit away you know a stream in there every week so that. You know, our friends in Europe in particular can kind of jump in on the fun because I know 8 p.m. Eastern time on a weekday here is is not 
you know, it's like it's like the middle of the night for you guys. So the, during the workday or something, whatever, it's like 12 hour difference or something. You guys are not available at that time and I don't want to inconvenience you. So I'm going to do this week. I will be streaming on Sunday afternoon, probably around 4 p.m. or so. Um, so we can kind of accommodate and get some of you UK folks and whatnot in the mix. But in, in the future, we will probably be doing weekend streams more regularly. I just don't have a specific date or time just yet, but be on the lookout for that. To follow the schedule for the stream, to follow all this information, you're going to want to follow me on Twitter. That's the easiest place for me to make these kinds of announcements. So at Jesse DeRosa on Twitter, and we can vote on games to play for the stream. We can I can keep you up to date with things and, and changes in schedule and all that. So follow me on Twitch. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. I'm, I'm still really excited to be making this a regular part of my routine and excited to be growing this whole Xbox on brand podcast streaming, whatever it is. Let's see how far we can take it. I want to I want to try to make it as big as we can. Now, two more things I wanted to get in here before we jump into the comments this week. These aren't plugs. These aren't you know, things are pertinent to us. This is more like general news stuff that's not going to be in the news, but things I wanted to point out and just talk about briefly. Our first one here is that IGN ran a story this week, a couple outlets ran a story this week, that Marcus Leto, one of the original creators of Old School Halo, um, was kind of given some, you know, in, in, in an interview was giving some information about kind of his days at Bungie and all that back when he used to work there before he left and went on to do a bunch of other things and most recently formed V1 Interactive, which made that game Disintegration that came out last year and flopped and already dissolved the studio. But nonetheless, he, he's been pretty vocal lately talking about his early time at Bungie, giving lots of hot takes and, and spicy information, never before, never before heard things about Halo's development. And it's been really interesting. And this week he was talking about how, you know, 343... After the development of Halo 3, while they were right before they started on Halo Reach, they were kind of spitballing over at Bungie on what that final Halo project was going to look like, what they were going to make. And they and they floated the idea of a Halo 4 before they ultimately settled on Reach. And he basically says, you guys can check out the article for more in-depth kind of coverage on this, but it's really interesting. What he says is basically the, the rough idea of what Bungie kind of pitched for what a Halo 4 could be is actually like pretty in line at least from a general structure concept uh it's pretty in line with what 343 ultimately ended up doing with halo 4 which i just thought was really interesting he he basically just said the intention was to explore kind of the forerunner back-end aspect of the halo universe a little more but basically like they like 343 does in halo 4 the main difference being that they were going to make the forerunner a little less like in your face present and a little more of like an ominous background kind of mystery kind of thing. So I, I don't know, like hearing that kind of hypes me on two levels because one, it's like, damn, I, I really wish we could see what this alternate reality looks like where, where Bungie made a Halo 4. But at the same time, it's, it's also just like, it's also just exciting because even though 343 ended up doing Halo 4, it's, it's, it, it's interesting to be like, wow, it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of like, affirming in a way after after like what's it been like a decade now of having to hear all these stupid halo cuck boys just be like 343 isn't real halo only bungee halo counts as halo to kind of hear them constantly say this this horseshit over and over and over again and then to hear someone who is so instrumental in the bungee days of halo basically be like yeah uh 343 kind of went in the direction we were more more or less going to go in with the franchise so it's like ha fuck you so, I mean, it's not a one-for-one. One. He's not saying, like, they made exactly the game we would have made. But I just thought that was really interesting that he made that note uh, that Bungie was more or less kind of headed in that direction anyway. 
And I don't know. I just, I just think that's a really cool connection. Obviously, a lot of those hands were talking to one another. Most of 343, especially at that time, were ex-Bungie employees who want to stay behind and continue to work on Halo and not go on to do Destiny and whatnot. And so, obviously, a lot of the people that formed 343 and went on to stay with 343 were not only ex-Bungie people, but they were people who worked closely with Bungie in those final years before Bungie left Halo. We know 343 had a big hand in working on like multiplayer aspects and things like that of Halo Reach. We know 343 had a big hand in kind of just shepherding the franchise outside of games, just in general media, into like its own kind of Lucasfilm type thing, pulling it from Bungie and bringing it in-house to Microsoft. So obviously there was a lot of communication going around, a lot of talent being shared, a lot of ideas being shared between the two brands. So it's not all that surprising to think that maybe, you know, 343 got a lot of ideas that ultimately ended up in Halo 4 from pitching and working with and idea shooting with Bungie people. So just thought that was a really interesting little tidbit. And then the last thing I wanted to point out before we jump into the comments is this is something I wasn't really going to address at first in my first knee-jerk reaction to seeing this story because I'm really, really quite tired of seeing all these stories constantly pop up of like this game studio is being like ousted for all the bullshit work culture going on here or like this game developer is being accused of this that and the other and it's like not to say i I, i'm taking a specific side or another in in these stories but i'm getting tired of in the sense that like at the end of the day it's like i'm i kind of stand on the fence and i'm a little conflicted with like what do we do with these stories like the point of this podcast is we want to talk about what's going on in the industry what's going on with the games and the platforms we love and so we want to talk about the studios the games the shakeups you know the talent being swapped around all these things but these kinds of things seem like sometimes like a step in more of a personal direction where it's like, I, I don't know, is this really what we need to be talking about getting into this kind of stuff? Is, it, is this a step too far? But then I'm like, no, I mean, this is absolutely 100% related and pertinent to the news cycle. I think it's more just like I'm, I just get really despondent having to see these stories pop up all the time. But we still have to address them. I mean, this is, this is pertinent. This is absolutely news. I, I think pretty definitively I have to put my foot down and say like this is I mean this greatly affects the people in the industry that that make the games we love to play and it sets the stage for who can feel welcome and who can feel free to come into these these studios and work on these games and and leave their mark on this industry we love so it it, it absolutely matters 100 percent and I just uh so I, I feel like I have to bring it up so without all the vagueness aside Basically, what we've been learning in the past 24, 48 hours are these pretty fucking horrid allegations coming out towards Activision uh, regarding their work culture. Now, IGN and a lot of sites were kind of like goofy about the the way they were headlining the story, calling it like Activision in trouble for their frat boy like work culture, whatever, and, and all that. But this is some pretty once you start digging into the news and seeing like what's actually happening here, it's like pretty like gut wrenching, like disgusting stuff. These, these allegations being levied towards Activision. So this, the state of California is basically suing Activision Blizzard Entertainment over a lot of work, like toxic work culture and stuff. And it's not the usual stuff where it's like this one particular individual or this small group of individuals uh, harassed this one person or this small group of individuals. It's like basically like, deeply embedded in the culture of this developer. There are many, many, many disgusting people who have done many, many, many horrible things to many, many people who've worked here. And this, it's like, it's all encompassing. It, it, it's, it's, it covers the spectrum of just like incredible, like insane misogyny, like just 
power abuse and, and taking advantage of women to straight up racist treatment towards black employees and things like that at, at Activision. So it's it's some of the harshest shit we've ever seen when it comes to these allegations. It's not like, you know, this isn't like the whole like, oh, Rockstar is apparently a really grueling place to work. They expect their employees to work really long, hard hours and, and really push and crunch to get these games out the door. It's not like that kind of story where we can take a side and talk about whether or not that's appropriate depending on what we see as like, you know, the the ingredients in 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 the requirements to make the cake you know this is one of those things where it's like under no circumstance ever is any of this ever acceptable and 100% like again it's like th- this is years and years and years of allegations and personal accounts you know all being surfaced and combined together and levied towards Activision as an entity across many, many years dealing with many, many individuals. So this is, this is not like this one person is out to get this one company or this one person is out to get this group of people. This is like many, many people have had many, many bad experiences to me. This, I don't know, like this kind of seems like the Harvey Weinstein, (laughs) the Harvey Weinstein of like the games industry. And that it's like, well, yes, absolutely. We need to go to trial. We need to we need to run these stories. We need to really find a verdict and 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 press and find out what happened here specifically and get some some answers rather than just you know like she said this, therefore they're in trouble. Obviously, this is how the law works. This is how due process works. So I I get that, and of course we'll go through those motions. But this also seems like one of those situations where it's like pretty cut and dry that like shit's happening. You know whether. Whether you want to take a specific side or not, like I don't know that anyone can really deny what's happening here as a result of these of these stories coming out and these lawsuits coming out is that something is going on and it's at the very least fucking disgusting. At least someone was completely fucked. I mean, there are there are allegations here going around that some girl was sexually harassed so much by her higher ups that she committed suicide and then coworkers were passing around nude photos of this girl after she had killed herself within the company. And that's like, I mean, that's like just bust down the fucking doors and start like handcuffing these motherfuckers and throwing them behind bars for life. Like it's some pretty gross ass shit. So I just want to put this out there to say, you know, Activision, one of the absolute most hated companies in the games industry already getting themselves into what I think is the deepest shit they've ever gotten themselves into. This is way worse than any kind of greedy microtransaction thing. This is infinitely worse than folding companies you love that used to make games you love into making more Call of Duty bullshit. This is infinitely worse than <laughs> than fucking like churning out Call of Duty every fucking year instead of making new IP because Activision is just relying on the thing that makes money and they don't give a shit about creating original IP. Like this is infinitely worse than all the things we ever complain about ever with Activision. This is significantly worse in so many ways. This transcends you know, our love of our, our entertainment form of video games. This is much more important. This is actual people's lives and their equality and their freedoms and their, and their livelihoods being devastated by a company that clearly seems to have some trouble getting its shit together and learning how to hold people accountable for the awful things they do and learning how to weed out like devastating individuals in a fucking company. This is really gross stuff. So I just wanted to, Bring this to light, obviously, this is a little outside the norm for what we cover, but I did just want to say, you know, to the people out there who are (laughs) obviously affected by this, just want to put out, you know, just some positivity, some love and some support. Hopefully, you know, 
justices served, whoever, you know, we go through the the system and find out specifically who the who the bad actors are here and who the victims are and we can appropriately deal with the things that need to be dealt with because this is just <laughs> I don't know, this is this is the weird one that actually like kinda of turns my stomach. There are some examples of these things where I'm just like Okay, that's overblown, or that's disgusting, but it has more to do with two people than a company. But this one kind of goes beyond the whole, like, wow, how does this company allow this individual to work there? This is more like, how does this company allow this culture to persist widespread and for so many years? And it's just, it's kind of gut-wrenching. If you if you read through these documents, these these uh, these lawsuit documents that, are, that have been released, it's pretty fucking gross. And, uh... Just want to put that out there. Also, you know, Activision, a company that's already on my shit list for the fact that they've cucked out to communist China so many times in the past. And there are examples of that with Blizzard, with the silencing of that live streamer. And now, you know, with Call of Duty, with the erasing of like the Tiananmen Square scene from the Black Ops Cold War trailer. So I just want to say this is the kind of stuff that's like beyond me. It's like you have a company like Activision, Blizzard. One of the most wealthy companies in the absolute in the fucking world, one of the most hated companies in the games industry, and the two things are constantly at odds with people. Like gamers are, are bitching about microtransactions and Call of Duty fatigue and this and that and all these all these stupid things that are fine for us, you know, to get upset about in the context of our of our passion for gaming. But then you scope out and you look at like the real shit that makes this company evil, and it's like okay. They are silencing people that are pro-freedom pro and equality. They are cucking out to a communist government. And, and, and let me just be clear about this. Every time I complain about Tencent, every time I complain about communist China and all this kind of shit, I'm not talking about Chinese culture. I'm not talking about Chinese people. I have nothing against China. China is a beautiful country with amazing people, amazing food, you know, really interesting history, really important history, really important culture that I love and admire in many, many ways. That's not what we're talking about here. But what we're talking about is communist China. These, <laughs> This corrupt, broken-ass fucking, like, oppressive political system that ethnically cleansing its own people, that enslaves its own people, that silences its own people, that tries to deny places like Taiwan <laughs> its own statehood. Because they are controlling, they are oppressive, and they're they're fucking pure evil. And it, it we see them having widespread impacts all throughout our entertainment industry because our heavily capitalist-based economy and, and world here in the West is so obsessed with money, 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 they will make unethical decisions to please China. And we've seen Activision be among the absolute worst when it comes to allowing this kind of behavior. We've seen them... We've seen them silence history. We've seen them apologize for things they shouldn't apologize for. We've seen them. We've seen them deplatform streamers speaking out and advocating for human rights, all for the sake of keeping their ties with China and keeping their keeping their hands in China's pockets. And that's disgusting. And now we see this, which is a second equally disgusting abuse of of human rights and human decency with allowing. A corporate culture, a work culture where people can be harassed, people can be treated in unequal and be treated in a racist behavior and where dead people are basically just like, I don't, I don't even want to get into it. It's just disgusting. And, uh, I, yeah, I didn't mean to spend this long on it, but I just wanted to raise some awareness to this because this is absolutely one of the worst things I've heard 
in quite a while. And I don't know, this is this is one of those moments where I guess, what, what, what can you take away from this now, right? And I guess this is one of those moments where it's like, well, I have to put my money where my mouth is, right? So, so is, this, is this the point where I finally say, fuck it to Activision? I don't care if they make Tony Hawk's American Wasteland Remastered Edition just for Series X. And the tagline is, Jesse, you're welcome. You know, I don't care if they do that and they add like 75 yellow card songs to the to the to the track list. It's like I, I need to put my money where my mouth is. I, I love Call of Duty Zombies. Is this is this the point where I say, OK, I'm not buying another fucking Call of Duty game like I I don't know. Like we at some point, like we have to use the only power we have, the only voice we have. And that is us not giving them money, us not playing their games, us telling them, fuck you. I don't I don't support the way you do business, I don't support the way you treat your people, and I don't want to see you succeed if this is, if these are the actions you take to get where you are. So, I'm not telling you guys what to do. You're absolutely free to do whatever the hell you want. If you want to go spend money on Call of Duty, that's your prerogative. If you want to play these games, that's your prerogative. If you want to try to separate the bad actors from the entertainment and the art, you know, the video games you love, I get that. I support the Walt Disney Company. They're fucking evil. So, I'm no better, but... I don't know. This is one of those moments where it's like, fuck, I, I think I had I, I had to make a decision. Like, I, I can't I can't keep speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I can't keep saying, like, fuck you, Activision. You're the worst. And then being like, by the way, guys, uh, Thursday night, we're going to be Twitch streaming the new Call of Duty Black Ops Zombies map. I, I don't know. It's con- it's a very conflicting feeling for me. So. All right. With all that out of the way, guys, super late into the show. Let's let's jump into the, the comments of which there aren't too, too many. So we'll get into this. All right, so our first comment comes from Mojo, and this is actually probably going to be the longest comment, not because the comment itself is long, but because the conversation, the topic it brings up, the topic it brings up is, I think, one of the more interesting points for us to go over this week. So Mojo says, I was lucky enough to reserve a 512 gigabyte Steam Deck the other day. I was holding out for a Switch Pro, but this seems like a better choice. Any thoughts on the Steam Deck? All right, Mojo, so the Steam Deck, I'm sure all of you know about this by now. This was... (laughs) One of those things that was announced right after last week's episode went live. So, of course, here we are talking about seven days later. Feels kind of like old news, blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, yeah, let's let's talk about this. So on Thursday last week, Steam or Valve, the guys behind Steam, the guys behind Half-Life, the guys behind Portal, the guys behind Left 4 Dead, uh, announced Steam Deck, which is basically the form factor of a Nintendo Switch, but it is a $400 portable Nintendo Switch looking PC. It is a Linux, it's running a Linux based operating system, but you can basically change it to run Windows or whatever the hell you want. So you can basically make it a portable Windows computer, looks like a Nintendo Switch, and has Steam booted into it. So it's basically a Nintendo Switch, but with your Steam library. You can access the Steam store, you can access all your all your Steam games, and play them on this little portable $400 Nintendo Switch looking thing. And I saw this like really soon after it was announced and immediately just shrugged it off because I thought about, you know, the, the steam box or whatever it is they did back in like 2014, which they ended up just kind of, you know, it was, it was when they were trying to do like their own like steam home console thing. And then they ended up not even making the console. They just ended up selling the, uh, the kind of license to it to like third parties. So other like OEMs would make their own steam boxes. And it kind of just came and went and flopped and no one ever gave a shit about it. And then they made that Steam controller, which was really weird. It had like those touch pads instead of analog sticks. And no one ever really gave a shit about it. And it just kind of came and went. So my my first knee-jerk reaction is just like, I think of like Steam or Valve rather getting involved in hardware again. And I immediately think of like 
the kind of announcement of like Google is introducing Google Stadia or like uh, Amazon's doing Amazon Luna or like the Ouya and Android little home console device has been announced. I'm just like, oh yeah, that'll, that'll fail. Like my, my knee jerk reaction is like Steam Deck. Oh, that'll fail. But to my surprise, the internet kind of lit up about this. Now, of course, when I say the internet lit up, I mean my very insular, hardcore gaming centric little bubble of people who care a lot about this shit started getting really enthusiastic about this. So people seem to really care. And then the pre-orders went live and they kind of required you to like pay for a place in line to get a pre-order, which is kind of weird. But the pre-orders went fast and and people were really hyped and excited about getting their hands on these. So it seems like upfront, the, the temperature, the reaction to this whole thing is like, wow, we're really excited about this. Cool. And I don't want to detract from that excitement in that energy. Um, I'm glad people are excited for this. I too think it looks really, really cool. I didn't see this and immediately go, I have to buy one of those, but I do see the value. And I, and I'll put it like this. If this is something that comes out and can prove itself and people love it and adore it and it, it sells like hotcakes and everyone's like, it feels so good in the hands. It's so easy to just pick up and play all your favorite steam games. Everything works so well. It's so innovative. It makes, it makes playing, you know, your PC games, so much more accessible and easy and hassle-free than ever before, I might be inclined to be like, you know what? I might buy this thing so I can play Sonic Lost World on the go. Fuck it. You know, I might buy this thing so I can play Left 4 Dead on the go. Fuck it. I might, but I'm not immediately, like, wowed by this device at all. I've told you guys in the past, you know, I was a lifelong, diehard Nintendo fanboy forever. And when I say forever, I mean, like, until very recently. Like, up through the Nintendo Wii U days. The most hated console Nintendo ever made. The Wii U. I was a die-hard, ride-or-die, love Nintendo fan. It was... It, honestly, my my downfall with Nintendo has only been the past recent years. It's really only been since around the second year of Switch. Like, I've just increasingly become more and more just depleted and, and just uh, lethargic towards every single thing Nintendo says and does these days because I'm just... The, the magic has worn off. I, I see through their bullshit and I'm just like, Nintendo... No thanks. The Nintendo Switch literally feels like shit in your hands when you hold it. It's not a fun device to hold and use. It is cheap and shitty, and it mostly just plays Wii U games I bought in 2015, which is fine. I'm glad people are liking it, but like, I really don't care about this $300 device that can play one of my least favorite Zelda games in Breath of the Wild, and one of my least favorite 3D Mario games in in Mario Odyssey, and you know, like Splatoon 2, which is great, but just feels like Splatoon 1 and. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is just the same fucking Mario Kart I bought on Switch, and Smash Bros. Ultimate, which no one ever calls out, but pretty much feels exactly like Smash Brothers for Wii U, and it's just like, I just see it, I'm like, eh, the Wii U, the, the Switch doesn't do it for me. I loved Nintendo, but I feel like they haven't had the games that have excited me for a long time. Their, their current hardware just feels like shit to me. I just, I don't like Nintendo. So, I see something like the Steam Deck, and I'm immediately like, this is, this is just a blatant, like, Switch knockoff, which I don't think there's anything wrong with inherently, but I think about how excited I was for Switch and how much it didn't meet and live up to my expectations, and then I think of Steam Deck, and I'm just like, is this just another Nintendo Switch waiting to happen? Is this just a more expensive Nintendo Switch that I'm going to buy and be hyped for and be like, wow, this is so cool, and then I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play, I'm going to be like, you know what? Kind of feels cramped and shitty. Like, they have both the analog sticks at the very top of the device running parallel to each other. I'm like, how the fuck, how did you fuck that up? Because here's the thing is, I'll give Nintendo this. The Switch has one excuse, and it's that 
The Joy-Cons on the Switch have to remove from the device. So the fact that the analog sticks feel like absolute horseshit on Nintendo Switch, they feel cheap, they feel shitty, like they're going to fall off at any second, and they're in the worst place so that if you have hands larger than like a three-year-old, your thumbs constantly cramp and it just feels awful. The Nintendo Switch is one of the most awful feeling gamepads I've ever held in my hands, period. It's fucking terrible. And I'll give Nintendo an excuse. I'll give them an out. The fact that the Joy-Cons have to be able to remove from the device gives them a lot of like leeway and a lot of like give them a lot of slack for the fact that the Joy-Cons and the Switch feel so fucking awful in my hands because you have to make it work both ways. So there's that. Well, Valve doesn't even get that slack with the Steam Deck because the Steam Deck's controllers do... It is one unit. It's like a PlayStation Vita. It's all one unit. You can't rip off the sides and use it like Joy-Cons. They are attached to the screen. So with that added real estate, with that limited functionality, you would think they'd be able to make up for that in designing a better button layout. And obviously, I haven't held the device, so I don't know how it feels, but like, it looks like shit. It's like you have the analog sticks running parallel from each other at the very top, so your thumbs have to reach. You can't do them offset like they should be. You know, and you can't push one more inward and one more outward. Whatever you need to do to make it feel just right, like Xbox does. You can't, you, you could have done that, but you chose not to. And that makes me instantly like, no, fuck Steam Deck. <laughs> I know it's really petty. It's like, it sounds like a small thing, but like literally every time I'm like, oh, you know what? I miss wanting to like my Switch. Let me just boot up the Switch and try to play it and give it the benefit of the doubt. And there are times where I enjoy myself on Switch, but I, I, I pick it up. I'm like, why does the Switch feel like such a piece of crap? And then I look at Steam Deck and I'm like, how the fuck did they make the same mistake? They could one-up Nintendo so hard by being like, hey, yeah, it's the same form factor Nintendo already wowed you with with the Nintendo Switch. But here's why it's better on Steam Deck. Because it actually feels good in your hands if you have adult-sized hands. They could do that, but they totally missed the opportunity and, and made the same shitty fucking layout for the button. So that's the first... Dude, the, ant, the D-pad, man. The fucking D-pad is right to the left of the... Um, of the left analog stick. It's like, how, how did you get that wrong, man? I understand they have those little weird touch pads under the analog sticks, which I'm curious to see, you know, what we can make of that and what that, what that ends up being. But like how the fucking hell did, did you put the D pad right there directly to the left of the fucking analog stick? It looks like if you're going to play like a 2d side scroller game and want to use the D pad, like a normal person, you're going to have the worst fucking experience. Imagine trying to play Celeste with your left hand, your movement hand, all the way to the outer edge of the fucking controllers. Try and do that precise movement with your hand basically cramped so your thumb can reach that D-pad. It's fucking terrible. So the device, from a specs perspective, from a, a con just a general concept perspective, I love it. It takes a lot of the cumbersome nature away from PC gaming where it's like, well, what specs is your computer and what this and that and install this and update that and all these things. It just strips it down to like, no, here's a handheld little tablet and you just boot up Steam and you download your games and you play them and it's fucking awesome. I love that concept. We gotta see how the execution goes, but I love that concept. But I cannot get over how incredibly bad they fucked, they fucked up the controller layout and the D-pad and the analog sticks and all of it, it just looks terrible. And, you know, maybe I'll eat these words. Maybe when it comes out, I'll get to hold a Steam Deck and I'll be like, you know what? It doesn't look great, but it actually feels really good in the hands. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that's the case. But man, oh man, it looks like, it, it looks awful to me. 
the, the just the the comfort level, the control layout mojo. I got to be honest with you, it looks awful to me. Um, that being said, again, I still think the concept's really cool. I'm I'm not entirely sold on this device. I. I, I'm really curious to see what happens, you know, six months after this thing comes out. Is it something that continues to sell well? I think it's going to sell really well at the gate. But is it something that continues to sell well? Or is it like a thing where like the inner gamer circle talked to, talked to Big Talk about this and got really excited and it made everyone think this was going to be a new a new thing. And then it came out and it was like, nah, you know, the hardcore gamers bought it. They kind of got tired of it. They threw it to the side and then they moved on and the world moved on and everyone was like, yeah, well, Switch is cheaper and we want Nintendo games. So Switch kept selling and Steam Deck fell by the wayside. I don't know. Switch's big selling point is it's super kid friendly. It's super accessible and it has the Nintendo games people have come to love and expect from Nintendo. Steam is like, well, it's kind of like a superfluous like purchase, right? Because like if you have a computer that is capable of gaming, you don't need a Steam Deck. It's just a nice extra added thing you could have. So it's different. Like Switch, you need Switch to play those key games, those Zeldas, those Marios. But Steam Deck, eh, you don't need it. It's just a nice and convenient alternative to playing the games you already have on your computer. So I'm I'm very curious about this. I'm very glad it's happening. I love seeing new hardware. I love seeing new ideas. I love seeing new competition emerge. So what do I think about Steam Deck? It seems interesting. I'm happy to follow along. I hope I'm wrong and that it feels great in the hands and it does very well and people love it. But my knee-jerk reaction is like, this probably won't be as big a thing as people are making out to be, and it looks like it feels super uncomfortable to hold and use, but I could be fucking wrong. I literally don't know jack shit. Next up, Mr. Miggy writes in a couple comments on VR and HoloLens and things like that from last week's discussion, saying, later this week is my vacation, so I may sadly hear the next show later than usual. I'm glad my comment left you speechless, however. I can see Microsoft allowing PC VR headsets to work on Xbox. As someone who will never own an Apple product, I can agree that their haptic engine is amazing. Other phones need to step up their haptics, and I'm glad that we may get an updated Xbox controller with some of the new features that the DualSense has. Well, Mr. McGat, I don't know what to say to that other than, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I think DualSense's cool features and Phil Spencer's willingness to like admit, like, hey, Sony did something cool here. I think it's really important. I think it's really, really important for companies to not be, to not play that salty, we're better because we're us kind of mentality and, and to play that game of like, hey, our competitors did something really cool here that we didn't do. Let's acknowledge this cool thing, you know, give them the credit deserved for it and then incorporate that technology into our thing if we think it's something that could benefit our platform. I love that. And and I, I want to see more Android phone makers do the same thing. I want to see Google work on like a haptics engine that they can, that they can, you know, encourage their OEM partners to use as well, or something like that. Like put awesome fucking haptics into Samsung phones. Like there are more Samsung galaxy phones out there than iPhones period. Like put awesome haptics in them. Like just, it'd be fucking cool. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say other than that. Mr. McGee, I guess we just agree. Now, Lethal Migraine jumps in on the same topic and says, Microsoft got a $22 billion contract from the U S military for HoloLens. Yes. My, yes. Lethal Migraine. They did. And that's exactly my point is that people act like HoloLens is something that was like vaporware. Like they announced it and it never came out or they announced it and it released and flopped. HoloLens is a, is a big thing. It just didn't end up being a big consumer thing. So hopefully that changes in the future. Cause I'd really love to use a HoloLens. I've read many articles, watched many videos, and I think the device looks so fucking cool. I just have never had the opportunity to use one. Now, following up on our information from last week that I tried the Burger King chicken sandwich, their new chicken sandwich to compete with the likes of Popeyes and KFC and Chick-fil-A. Following the, the, the news that I tried it last week and it absolutely sucked, Temple Knight writes in and says, I feel like the chicken sandwich 
has a good bun. It is a potato-based recipe, but the filet in the bun is weak. I like the crunchiness of the Popeye's filet, but the bun is lacking a bit. Wendy's has the pub chicken sandwich with the pretzel bun, which is also awesome, but I feel like the sandwich is ruined by the fried onion rings put on top. Chick-fil-A has the consistency, as you mentioned, but also the secret ingredient of using peanut oil to fry the chicken. Temple Knight, I think you are, in this instance, Temple Wright, because you nailed a lot of it. The only redeeming quality of that Burger King sandwich is the potato-based roll that they use. Absolutely. Potato potato bread is phenomenal. And also, I completely forgot this until you mentioned it just right now, but I've actually had the Wendy's pub chicken sandwich on the pretzel bun. I totally forgot this. I had this once. I <laughs> I had this maybe like almost a year ago. And I remember, it, dude, it's fucking awesome. This is the one with like the, the beer cheese on it and the pretzel roll and the bacon and the fried onion straws and all that and like the Swiss cheese or something like that on, on it. Dude, if I'm remembering this right, that, that chicken sandwich is fucking awesome. And, and I usually don't like Wendy's. Wendy's is a pretty like bottom of the barrel fast food chain for me. But, like, I remember having this sandwich once, maybe last fall, and thinking it was, like, very good. Like, very above average. Like, very excellent by Wendy's standards. So, I totally forgot about that one. But, you're, dude, you're right. That sandwich was awesome. But, yeah, and of course, Chick-fil-A, famously, they fry their chicken in peanut oil. But I don't I don't think that's all there is to it. I don't think it's just the peanut oil. I think their breading recipe is, is simply delicious. Also, they, they brine their chicken or whatever in, in pickle juice or whatever. So it's like the pickle juice and the peanut oil and just the breading recipe. Listen, I, 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 as I said many times on the show, I've eaten enough Chick-fil-A for a lifetime. I'm kind of sick of it. I don't really go there a lot anymore. I find it to be mildly overhyped. But I will never deny, Chick-fil-A has a very, very, very solid recipe. And they are very consistent in their quality. And so I, I get the appeal. I get the hype. Love it. Temple Knight. As I said, you were Temple Right. Sam A says, so down to play Halo with the group. I've been trying lots of different dues lately. Whoever runs the vending machine at my work switches in the flavors like crazy every week. Any thoughts on Baja Flash? Well, Sam must be a new listener because I kind of brought up the new Mountain Dew Baja Flash and Baja Punch flavors two or three weeks ago. So yeah, I do have thoughts on them. You can go back to episode 109. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I have tried them all. I have, I currently have a 12 pack of each of the new flavors in my pantry that I am slowly doling out because I'm trying to not drink too much soda right now. But you may remember if you if you heard a few weeks ago when I was talking about these new flavors, I was, I was kind of ranting a bit about how I've been underwhelmed by the newer flavors of Mountain Dew. I feel like they just keep doing the quantity over quality approach and they just keep churning out new flavors without really understanding the essence of what makes a Mountain Dew flavor Mountain Dew. But I have to backtrack on my words a little bit because the more I drink through these new flavors, the more I've actually come to appreciate specifically the Baja Flash but also the Baja Punch a little bit. Baja Blast, of course, one of the most iconic, one of the best Mountain Dew flavors of all time. No one's here to dispute that. It's back for the summer. We're loving it. It's great. Baja Punch, I like it a little more than the first time I had it, but I still largely stand by my point that it doesn't taste wholly like, you know, a Mountain Dew flavor. It's just like, I don't know that I really needed like a tropical punch Mountain Dew. But that being said, the more I try it, the more I taste like a hint of Mountain Dew Livewire, which is the orange Mountain Dew, which is an excellent Mountain Dew. I fucking hate orange soda, but orange Mountain Dew, Livewire, phenomenal. Um, and I've come around to it a little bit. Now, Baja Flash, the pina colada, the pineapple coconut Baja Blast flavor, new new Mountain Dew flavor, that one's really good. The more and more I drink that, the more I'm like, this is actually a very good flavor. I love Mountain Dew. I love pina colada. So you push the two together, That that's, that's, 
that's a recipe for uh, for for a drink that cannot be beat. And uh, while I don't think it's the best Mountain Dew flavor, it's probably not even top five by any, by any means. It's easily not top five. I mean, top five in no particular order. You got Whiteout, you got Classic Mountain Dew, you got Voltage, you got this is a little controversial. I might say I might say Voodoo. I love Voodoo. And then you got like Classic Game Fuel. Oh my God, Classic Game Fuel, so good. Um, maybe something like that is your top five. Um, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Ultraviolet or Supernova were pretty good. Fuck it. We're not getting into it, but you know, it's certainly not a top five flavor, but it's very good. I I like it a lot. I appreciate it. I'm sure it will be gone in a month and then we'll never see it again or something like that because Mountain Dew loves the quantity over quality approach. But nonetheless, I've kind of come around to them. I think the Baja Flash in particular, pretty solid new flavor. Baja Punch, it's all right. And then of course, Baja Blast, a returning favorite. Who doesn't love Baja Blast? Sam, thanks for writing in. And now to the remaining few comments we have this week to go over. My brother writes in and says two things. One, you haven't used the PlayStation 5 controller enough. I assure you, the adaptive triggers are not anything like Rumble. They just don't really add to the experience. They truly are gimmicky. Two, my PP was small, but after following you on Twitch, it is big now. Well, look at that, guys. Twitch.tv slash Lightning Extreme. Follow me there. You'll grow overnight. What do you, what do you, what do you know? Also, my brother says, I'm playing the Command & Conquer remasters as you read that comment about the viewer who said he played Red Alert on his razor blade. Finally, someone with taste. Look at that. Eric Masson writes in and says, I am so down for Xbox on game nights. All my friends ever want to play is Call of Duty, so I find myself gaming alone if I want to play anything other than Warzone. It would be so cool to meet Jesse and the Xbox on regulars like OG Man, Mr. Miggy, and get a game of Halo in. I mean, come on, guys. Who wouldn't love to teabag? Lethal Migraine. Lethal Migraine, I promise you I did not write that. That is, that's that's what Eric wrote here, so take it out. Take that up with him, not me. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for writing in, Eric. Uh, I mean, hey, we did it this Monday. I kind of did it as more of a surprise, less formal announcement because I knew there were going to be many, many, many technical difficulties, of which there absolutely were. Thank you to those of you who showed up for the stream because you guys helped me walk through some of the many issues I, were ha- I was having, and I still have a couple of issues. And so just set the expectation. It's going to take a while for me to learn the systems, learn the technology, learn how to troubleshoot the the things that come up and and kind of get a hold of the technical aspect of the stream. So it's going to take me a while to learn how to like engage with the chat while also trying to focus on playing a game. So prepare for some really horrid gameplay from on, on my part. So the streams aren't beautiful right now, but you know what? I think they've been a lot of fun, and if I can pat myself on the back a little bit, I think I've been doing slightly better job, at least with the engagement, than I expected myself to do, because I I always, I I know a lot of people, like, always come from, like, this weird attitude that, like, oh, streaming's so easy, people just turn a camera on and play video games, and then they get rich, boo-hoo, it's the easiest job in the world, I, I don't, I resent that kind of attitude, it's like, as someone who doesn't really stream and doesn't have experience with streaming. I, I recognize what a what a skill it is to be a good streamer. You know, you gotta be good at video games, but you also have to be likable and interesting and entertaining to watch off the you know, aside from the game. And it's a lot of things that go into it. And so and also just that consistency, constantly having to be doing a certain thing at a specific time on a specific day all the fucking time to try and grow something it very quickly becomes a job and not fun in a lot of ways in the fact that it's like, you can't be doing what you got to do. You got to do the specific thing at the specific time for the specific purpose. So I, I don't think streamers get enough credit, especially professional streamers. I think it is a lot of hard work and it takes a very specific skill set and personality. And I'm not trying to say I'm one of those people or I have what it takes to be one of those people, but I'm trying to say like, I've always recognized that it is harder than it looks. And 
So I'm I that's part of why it's taken me so long to get into streaming is because I've always been a little intimidated by that. And so I just want to put that out there. Like, thank you for the excitement. I can't wait to have you in either. Um, you know, we're going to be playing uh, this Sunday and then Monday, of course, our regular day. So Eric, jump in, follow me at Jesse DeRosa on Twitter and for updates on when I'm going live and all that stuff. But yeah, it's going to be fun, but just pack your patience and, <laughs> and a little bit of, uh, um, if, 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 if I may have it a little bit of your, um, a little bit of your, your sympathy or maybe even pity because it's not going to be a pretty stream. And then last, WG writes in and says, I love your podcast. Subscribed and can't wait for the next episode. Well, WG, isn't that a little bit meta? You're you're excited for the next episode in the next episode. Thank you for writing in, WG, which I assume stands for Walt Gisney. Now, that's going to do it for all of our comments and shout-outs, guys. Remember, for next week, don't be shy. Nope. Can't say it just yet. If you want to go and comment in, you go over to YouTube.com. You look up Second Best Gaming. There's where you find my channel. Usually I say this before the comments, but we're saying it after. Fuck it. All the rules go out the window this week. You go over to YouTube.com. You look up Second Best Gaming. You say, oh, you changed your banner picture on on, on YouTube. Thanks for noticing. You click on the profile. You subscribe. You'll see an Xbox on playlist. Every episode of the, of, the, of the show is on there. You want to leave a comment? Leave it on the most recent episode. That's where I pull comments from. So you go to episode 111. Click on that bitch. You leave a comment. You can say something nice like, Jesse, good job holding Activision accountable for their for their scummy stuff. They're, they're pretty big shit bags. I appreciate you speaking out against some, some bad boys doing bad things. Uh, keep Keep calling bullshit where you see it. Uh, P.S. Uh, Twitch is dumb, so you are too. Okay, nice comment. I'll read that on the show. I appreciate the the shout out. You can also say something mean, like Jesse. The Steam Deck is so cool. The reason they call it Deck is because Deck is slang for a skateboard in the skating community. And the Steam Deck is so cool that you can actually use those parallel, not off stick, analog sticks as wheels and, and flip and flip the Steam Deck over and use it as a skateboard mechanism. It's basically a skateboard and a gaming PC all for $400, you dumb idiot. The fact that you don't see the potential and, and, and the, the massive meteoric success that this, this handheld is inevitably going to be means that you have a tiny brain and you can't comprehend greatness when you see it. I hope you die alone in a hole, but also at the same time live on Twitch so people can be like, oh, look, Jesse's finally playing Halo good this time. And then they'll be like, oh, wait, no, he just dead. And then I'll be like, shit, that's a fucking mean comment. But you know what? I'll read it on the show anyway. So what are you waiting for? Don't be shy. Reply. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, before we can go into the news, I got to tell you about what I've been eating. And let me tell you, like I said, right before I hit record today, I I did something a little naughty. I went over my calorie goal a little bit today. I said, fuck it. It's been a, lot, a while. It's literally been a couple months. And I, I went to Taco Bell. Fuck it. You know, we've been talking a lot about Taco Bell lately. It's been talking about in the stream. EA's King, you, you kind of did me dirty a little bit because you were like, oh, I'm in the I'm in the Taco Bell drive-thru right now watching the stream. I'm like, fuck. So I did it. And bad boy, whatever. Fuck you. They have a new taco. It's a chicken taco with like an avocado cream sauce. But instead of a regular like flour tortilla, it is a flatbread tortilla thing. And I was excited to try it out. And you know what? It's It's fine. It's fine. It is above average. It is good. As far as like limited time items go at Taco Bell, it's, you know, it's no, it's no naked chicken chalupa. That's for sure, but it's good and I like it and I would get it again and I recommend it. And it's only 270 calories a taco and they're only like a dollar and a half. So fuck it. You should try them out. They're good. 
So that's that. They were yummy. I also, I was a bad boy. I had a quesarito and a Crunchwrap Supreme, and I haven't had those in a very long time. My girlfriend had a Baja Blast, so I took a couple sips of that, which I wasn't supposed to because it's not zero sugar. And she got, you know, she got a steak quesadilla, and I had a bite of that because I'm being a bad bitch today. But hey, it's been a while. Mostly when I go to Taco Bell these days, I stick to lighter options. I get the rice bowl. I keep it under like eight or 900 calories. But today I said, you know what? It's been a while and EA wasted an hour of my fucking day today talking about goddamn Apex Legends. I didn't give a shit about it. So fuck it. I'm going to treat myself. And I, and I did. So that's what I've been eating. Other than that, I do want to just put out there two other things. First of all, Epcot is doing their food and wine festival. It returned last week and it's running from now through November. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because last year, during the Food and Wine Festival at Epcot, we talked about it a lot. A lot of you were very curious to learn about the Fall Food Festival at Epcot. You had a lot of questions about what countries were represented, what kind of food was there, what is the event all about, how does it work. So I just want to put it out there. A lot of new listeners we've gotten since last fall. If you guys have any questions about the Epcot Food and Wine Festival that's happening this, this, this fall at Walt Disney World, let me know in the comments below. We'll talk all about it. Yes, Australia's back. We got some Australian food on the menu. For the first time, they have Vietnamese food. They got some a couple bowls of pho, which I'm very curious to try out because I'm sure Disney cannot make decent pho to save their goddamn lives, but I cannot wait to try it. And, uh, and lots of other food I'm really excited about checking out. So let me know if you have any questions about that. And then lastly, we got to talk really briefly about the Dew Cake Smash debacle. So Mountain Dew... And this, in, in the Dew community, which I follow avidly, they've been talking about Mountain Dew Cake Smash for like six or ten months at this point. It's been a while. It is a birthday cake flavored Mountain Dew. Yes. You might say to yourself, just as I thought Mountain Dew couldn't get any more trashy and disgusting and over the top, they managed to outdo, pun intended, outdo themselves. And I'd say, yeah, sure, whatever. I want to try Cake Smash because I'm a trashy piece of shit and I'm happy about it. So I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for information on this. Is this flavor actually going to come out? All the time, Pepsi Company will create flavors of Mountain Dew internally, test them out, come up with art for them, like make cans of it, get really far along the production process, and then cancel it. So I kept thinking, this is a canceled flavor. It's not happening. And then this week, they're like, oh, it's happening all right. Uh, you can enter in for a chance to win two cans of it. You have to like like us and tweet us and sign up and fill out a form and all this shit. And people were doing it. And I was like, this is kind of bullshit. Like, I just, just sell me the fucking cans. I don't want to enter in for a chance to win something I'm statistically not going to win. Let me just fucking give you money in exchange for the soda. So that's exactly what they did. A few days later, they're like, fuck it. We'll just sell it. So for $12, we'll sell you uh, a six pack of Mountain Dew Cake Smash. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get that birthday cake Mountain Dew. Let's do it. So I see the announcement three hours after the announcement goes goes live. I click on the fucking store and boom, they're sold out. And then I go online and everyone's like, wow, you sold out in like 20 fucking minutes and you crashed the Mountain Dew website. And then I go on eBay and everyone's selling their $11, $12, six pack of Mountain Dew birthday cake for like a hundred fucking dollars on eBay. They're selling their pre-orders. I'm like, fuck this. And people are yelling at the Mountain Dew Twitter account. People are getting fussy and Mountain Dew's just like, oh, stay tuned. We're going to have new announcements later. And people are like, does that mean you're going to put more on sale? And they're like, uh, maybe. And they're like, does that mean you're just going to put out new merchandise in your store? And they're like, probably. And I'm like, 
Fuck you, Mountain Dew. So I got to put that out there because right now we love the Dew. We respect the Dew. I drank some Dew today. We just talked about Dew a little bit before. But right now, the Dew is in my shit. They're on my shit list a little bit. So they have some explaining to do. They have some some wrongdoings to make up for. But I just want to put that out there. So that's it for what I've been eating, what I'm going to be eating, what I cannot eat because I cannot get because Mountain Dew won't sell it to me. But with that out of the way, guys, let's talk about what I've been playing. Now, obviously, we did some Twitch streaming this week, so I played some Halo there. Did a really bad job. Don't want to talk about that. Other than that, I've been really busy just trying to work out the kings and figure out Twitch stuff. So I haven't been gaming too much. But when I can, you know, aside from my my busy time with work and other stuff outside of work, I've been trying to sneak in some Sonic. I've been going, like, really hard, like, in a Sonic mood. You guys know I love Sonic so much. I try to avoid talking about it too much because I know most of you, 99% of you probably fucking hate Sonic like most people do. So I try to be respectful of that and not and not talk your ears off and bore you to death with the Sonic talk. But, man, you, you know how it is. Like, you have various hobbies and various things you like, and you go through phases. Like, oh, for the next couple of weeks, you know, I love Star Wars, and I'm just obsessed with Star Wars. I want to watch all the movies, and I want to just uh, read some comics uh, I never read before and just follow YouTube fan theories. And just I'm in a mood for Star Wars, right? You know, like things people can relate to. I'm just in a mood for Halo. Just got to play my Halo games. I'm in a mood for J.R. Tolkien, so I'm just reading these Tolkien books, whatever it is, right? Well, I'm emotionally disturbed and I like Sonic the Hedgehog so lately I've been in a very very big Sonic the Hedgehog mood I've just been rereading a bunch of comics I've been just following fan forums watching YouTube videos replaying old games I've been playing Sonic Generations I've been playing Sonic mobile games I I, I literally found Sonic fan games to download on my PC to play and Sonic mods of broken Sonic games that make them better and easier to play I've just been going so fucking far down the other day at work I watched an hour and seven minute documentary on a mobile game with Sonic in it that was only available for a year like I've just been going so hard this week down the Sonic the Hedgehog rabbit hole and I'm, I'm actually loving it. I, I fucking love it. I love Sonic so much. So it's actually a lot of fun for me. So you guys don't want to hear about Sonic, but I've been playing Sonic. I'm replaying through Adventure 2 and Generations and Lost World, a really odd collection of Sonic games to be working through right now. But I'm enjoying the hell out of that. I'm playing Sonic Forces Speed Battle on my phone, I'm playing Sonic Run- Runners Revival on my phone. But other than that, you know, not too much gaming this week just because uh, I'm, I'm pretty busy with other shit says the guy who watched an hour-long Sonic documentary at work. But yeah, that's it for what I've been playing, guys. And with that all out of the way, remember, EA Play Live 2021 happened today. So we should probably talk about that along with the rest of the news for the week. So let's jump in to the news. All right, so EA Play Live 2021 happened today, Thursday, the 22nd, as of the time I'm recording this. Uh, it happened today, and uh, man... Lethal Migraine, I know you're all like, don't delay the show, man. EA's stupid. They're not going to have anything big to show. It's like, listen, I knew it wasn't going to be knock your socks off. I wasn't expecting Xbox and Bethesda's E3 showcase part two or anything like that. But like, you know, it's a, it is on paper a big deal. And sometimes historically EA does big things at this event, these events. And while no, it wasn't the biggest event of all time, you know, it was still, it was still like the big news of the week in a way. So I, I don't know, 15-hour delay for this, I, I I don't totally regret it, but yes, it's not like, this isn't going to knock your socks off or anything like that, but nonetheless, this is EA's big event for the year, and I think it warrants its own topic of discussion, so let's jump into 
in in the order that it happened, the EA Play Live event. First of all, they did that new thing a lot of these a lot of these streams like to do, which fucking pissed me off. Where they're like, the event starts at one p.m. and then you're there at the stream at one p.m. and then it's like, welcome to EA Play Live. I'm the fucking idiot that they paid a lot of money to host this event, and I can't wait to uh, start kick off the event in an extra fifteen minutes. It's like, okay, don't say the event starts at one if it starts at one fifteen. Don't fucking try to hold me over with this 15 minutes of bullshit. So these two people come out and they're just like, uh, yeah, uh, well, here's some games we already announced that, um, here's some additional trailers for some games we talked about that you're not paying enough attention to. Take a look. So I tuned out for 15 minutes. Fuck off. 15 minutes into the actual event, the actual event starts and they kick off with what I think is a pretty appropriate announcement, which is going over, hey, we just spent a shit ton of money buying Codemaster out from 2K. Remember, a big story back early in the year was that 2K was looking to buy Codemasters, um, the team behind the F1, the Dirt series, the Project Car series, and all that in grid. Um, and then EA kind of swooped in, outbid 2K, and bought Codemasters. So, very fittingly, this is this is one of the bigger news stories in the games industry lately that people really haven't been talking about all that much. I get that it's not as sexy as, like, Xbox bought Bethesda, but it still is a massive deal. Codemasters is a big studio with a lot of important racing franchises, and clearly the fact that both 2K and EA were both very keen to get their hands on these guys tells you that there's a lot of interest from a very high-level in the games industry right now to get like really good talent for racing games. So clearly there's a lot of money in that. Clearly Microsoft is doing something right in having two teams working on Forza games, you know, clearly Sony's doing something right in sticking with their long, long standing Gran Turismo series. And EA wants in on that action. Obviously they have the need for speed series, but it's had varying degrees of success in recent history. And, uh, 2K obviously has had racing games here and there. Rockstar used to do like Midnight Club and things like that. But obviously we no longer live in the days of popular Need for Speed and Midnight Club and, and Burnout and all that stuff. Unfortunately, that's no longer really the case. So in the modern era, Codemasters is is basically as big as it gets with the exception of like Forza Horizon, especially for like arcade ar- arcade racing games and things like that. So um Basically, this is they they kicked off the event by showing off. Hey, look at this this studio we spent all this fucking money acquiring from from the UK and uh, talking about how you know F one and Dirt and Project Cars and Grid and all these all these titles are now under the EA brand. They're under the EA family. Welcome to the team. And then they said, and here's a new game to reveal. And so Codemasters revealed uh, Grid Legends, which is a new racing game set to arrive next year in 2022. It will feature a live action story, kind of similar to what some of those Need for Speed games have done in recent years. And they bragged about some technology they're using that's like similar to a technology used in the Star Wars Mandalorian show on Disney Plus talking about whatever that's going to do. But anyway, they're they're basically just like basically it's just one of those typical racing game campaigns, I guess, about you know, raising through the ranks and becoming a racer. Basically a Fast and Furious story, I guess. Uh, but nonetheless, the game looks good, looks cool. Um, I think they showed it a bit too much. As a racing fan myself, I thought this was a, a dragged a little bit too long, but these are the kinds of reasons why people hate EA events is because they focus so much on things people don't want to see. But I thought it was a pretty understandable first showing. Again, they spent so much money acquiring Codemasters. That's exactly why you would want to kick off with this is to be like, hey, we want you to understand these guys are now EA. Associate this brand, these franchises 
with this publisher. And so uh, I'll give him that fair way to start the show. A new grid game looks fun. It's going to, I'm sure please people who already like these kinds of games. And for most people who don't give a shit about racing games, it's not going to move the needle much. Uh, but nonetheless, it is, you know, this is a spicy story. It's uh if you're 2K right now, you're watching this and being like, fucking, we almost have these guys, you bitch. This should be our game we're revealing right now, not yours. And, you know, it's a, it's a spicy story. I think there's a bigger story brewing here in the racing scene. I think as we move into these games as a service and games as a platform kind of kind of realm that we've been entering, I think having these racing series are really critical and a lot of these publishers want one. You see that with Forza becoming more of a games as a service with the next Forza Motorsport entry. Um, and I, I, I think these guys want to gobble up the talent and try to build something big while they can and get in on ground zero before before this becomes a destiny kind of situation where Bungie's got destiny, Ubisoft's got the division, you know, but for the most part, everyone's trying to do these shared world shooters and there's kind of only so much room. So I feel like we might be moving in a similar direction with racing games and a lot of people are trying to get in while it's hot. That's just a speculation though, not anything confirmed whatsoever. Now, the order, I don't know, this might be right. Next, they uh, they talked about Apex Legends. It, Fucking guys. Oh my god. This is this is the thing is I, I've said many times on the show. I like Apex Legends. It is the battle royale of choice for me. I almost never played anymore. I played a lot when it was new. Uh I really don't care for it all that much. I'm not a huge battle royale person anyway. But the thing is, Apex Legends is it's one of those games. It's a specific game for a specific audience. Yes, it is very, very popular. Yes, it's very, very big, it makes a lot of money. I get why they want to talk about it. I get why it has to be here, but they're just announcing they're just announcing the next the next content update or whatever with a new character and you know new new balances and things happening and, and new enhancements and things being added into the map. I get that, but it's like these are normally announcements that happen like on a random day. You know, it's like EA will be like, "Hey, big Apex new- Legends news coming this Friday," and then Friday rolls around and all the Apex Legends fans get together and they're like, "Boom!" Drop the trailer for the new Apex Legends character and all that shit. And, People get happy about it, but it's like kind of relegated to its own announcement thing. I don't need your big E3 type stage events for you to be like, yeah, the new Apex Legends character. I believe they said this is the 17th character in Apex Legends. Again, I like this game. It's very fun to play. I understand it's very popular, makes a lot of money. This is one of those moves where they're just like, Apex Legends is huge. Therefore, people will be okay with us talking about this event. But it's like, know your fucking audience and understand that Apex Legends audience is not EA fans, it is Apex Legends fans. It's not Respawn fans, it is Apex Legends fans. It's like Call of Duty Warzone. These are predominantly casual gamers, or casual gamers in the sense of they don't play tons and tons of games, they just play, you know, a couple games here and there, and Apex Legends is like their fucking thing. It's their beat, it's their jam. So, we don't need an event where you talk about Apex Legends for 10 minutes if it's just a new update with a new character. Like, this is... This is a trailer you give us for a minute and a half, but no, they got to get the WWE wrestling star to come out and have this cringy script to stick by and be like, I'm so incredibly excited to announce Apex Legends has a 17th fucking character you can play as. And everyone's like, yeah, we don't care. And then they're just like, here's a very in-depth look. And then they play a very um, heavily edited trailer. And then he's like, that trailer was so sick. My My jaw hit the floor. And it's like, no, it fucking didn't. You don't give a shit about this trailer. No one gives a shit about this trailer. Like, move the fuck on. So, 
again, this is, I mean, literally, I'll put it like this. If there is no EA Play Live, and this was just another announcement for another character coming to Apex Legends, this would be in the important enough news, news important enough to make the show, but not important enough to warn their own discussion section of the show. That's where this lands. Because it's like, yeah, more Apex Legends. Good for Apex Legends fans. So, I'm not trying to hate on it. Like, I'm happy for Apex Legends fans. I'm sure this new update will be awesome. If I'm sure if I were still playing this game regularly, I'd be excited for this new content. But again, it's not, they're not like, hey, we're adding a campaign to Apex Legends. They're like, hey, Apex Legends 2, the sequel of Apex Legends. Like, no. They're not like, hey, Respawn has a new fucking video game to announce. No. But they are like, hey, Apex Legends getting a new content update and a new character. It's like, yeah, we know. You do that like once every three months. What the fuck? Like, so what? So, okay. Big waste of time and energy. It's just them having to fill up the space because this is their event that they feel compelled to have. Now, I will say the good news coming out of Apex Legends is a few hours after EA Live, website started reporting that apparently uh, Respawns has job listings up for a brand new single player adventure that is in a unique universe, apparently separate from the new Star Wars game they're working on, which is probably just a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, and apparently separate from Titanfall, Apex Legends, and all that. Apparently, it's a brand new IP, so that's the interesting news. That's what I'd rather hear about. Go back to one of those weird EA dev diaries where you have some developers sitting in front of a computer being like, we're so incredibly excited to announce this new game. Here's a rough sketch of one of the environments behind me on my computer monitor. Please be very excited for this game that may or may not come out by 2027. And it's like, okay. Well, at least it's something new. I, I don't know. But just not, not to harp on it too much, but it's like, yeah, a Apex Legends. This doesn't move the needle for me in any way whatsoever, but um, what, it's happening. It, something's happening. All right, next they showed an EA original Lost in Random. This is a game. It's supposed to come out pretty soon, coming out this September. It is a turn-based tactics game with a lot of story-based stuff and puzzle solving and battling of enemies and things like that. I will say, the art style looks cool. I see the appeal. I think this is an interesting-looking game, and I'm sure people are excited about it, and that's great. The type of game does not excite me whatsoever. You guys know I don't like tactics games. You know I don't like puzzle solving. This is not my kind of game. Uh, this is definitely a smaller game. This is definitely more geared towards the, the indie market, as they say, even though, you know, what does indie even mean anymore as we move into an era of, like, everything being called indie despite the fact that it has a $10 million budget? I don't know. This, this game looks fine. It is, like, if this were, like, again, the Xbox Bethesda press conference, this would be one of those small idea at Xbox games thrown into the mix. This is not like, whoa, that's so fucking cool. But it is like, oh, that's that's a neat game. Neat little smaller game. Um, it's coming out really soon in September. It's coming to Xbox Series X, Xbox One. It's coming to PC. So, you know, coming soon. Interesting looking smaller game. Really interesting kind of gothic, creepy art style. I think people might be interested in it. It's just nothing I can get all too excited about. So be sure to check out that trailer if that sounds like something that's up your alley. But, I, I you know, whatever. It looks a little Tim Schafer-like. So I won't, I won't lie about that. If you're, into, if you're looking forward to Psychonauts, hey, this might look a little Psychonauts for you. A little darker, but still a little Tim Schafer-like. All right, next, speaking of useless information, they talked about Knockout City Season 2. So, again, coming July 27th in just a, about a week, Season 2 of Knockout City, the new dodgeball game EA has that's pretty popular. I talked about it a few weeks ago on the show. I played it. It's, it's fun. It's fine. Um... This is something that could have been announced any fucking day of the week. Any little trailer you could have posted on YouTube. This didn't need to be in an event. But yeah, here's an update on this 
surprisingly popular multiplayer dodgeball game they have that a lot of people weren't thinking much of and it ended up being kind of cool and now they're gonna shove it down your throat for five minutes at an event um it's fine it's cool it exists but yeah it's like you know nothing against it i just can't can't pay me to care about it and then we get into the last two announcements it was only like a 40 minute event really when you when you get down to what they actually had to show it's only about 40 minutes and the last two announcements are the only like real announcements of any consequence. I'll say that's not really fair to say because the Codemaster stuff actually was kind of an announcement. Um, although, of course, that new Grid Legends game is definitely a game that Codemasters had well in development before anyone offered money to buy them. But nonetheless, you know, it's a new game announcement from a new newly acquired studio. It's exciting, at least in that regard. And then the last two announcements, um, obviously, Battlefield 2042, which we, you know, We've already had announced, and we've seen plenty of, so we just got another look at it with some more things, more features and modes announced. And this actually, I would, I w- like, while I was watching the event, I was like, I know they're working up to Battlefield, they even keep saying it, but like, we've seen so much of Battlefield 2042, it's like, how can I possibly, like, bring myself to give a shit that, like, you have all these mediocre announcements that no one really cares about, and now you're gonna focus on Battlefield 2042, a game you already announced and showed in depth? Like, come on. But to my surprise, they actually got me pretty excited about a game they've already announced like twice in the past month or two. Battlefield 24, they announced a new mode being made by Ripple Effect, which is that EA, or which is that DICE LA team that just got renamed. We talked about that in the news a week or two ago. That that team in LA has been working on a whole different mode, a whole different vertical of Battlefield 2042 called Portal Mode. And that's what they showed today. And Portal Mode actually, I don't, I don't know who it will be, sounds pretty fucking cool actually so portal mode is it's a custom game mode uh that uses assets from a bunch of battlefield games so battlefield 2042 battlefield 1942 battlefield bad company 2 and battlefield 3 that's like three battlefield games i actually really like a lot and one that i'm kind of excited for so a lot of battlefield games and basically it takes classic maps from all those games plus all the weapons and a bunch of vehicles from all these games and a bunch of um, a bunch of different assets and things like that from all these games. And it lets you just basically mash them up in custom games. Now, it's not a map editor or a map creator. They made it clear that this isn't like Forge or Far Cry's map editor or anything like that. But rather it is it is like custom games in Halo where you can just set up the, you can set up the dynamics. You can be like I want a game where it is ten, uh, one, two teams. One team is ten soldiers from Battlefield 2042, so they are modern soldiers with modern tech and modern weapons and modern vehicles, versus like thirty World War II soldiers from Battlefield 1942. So they have more rudimentary weapons and more rudimentary vehicles and, and lesser means because of the technological difference from 1942 to 2042. So I I love that. I think that's so cool. And it's basically like you could you could set up to where it's like. Fewer modern soldiers, but with more modern equipment versus a, like many soldiers from a long time ago with lesser equipment and kind of pit them against each other and see who wins. Or you can just set it up like um, like like a team of like 25 versus 25 Battlefield 3 soldiers, but they're playing in maps from Battlefield Bad Company 2 or they're playing in maps from the future in Battlefield 2042 or like uh, an infection mode where it's like, 
where it's like old World War II characters are the infected and Battlefield 2042 characters are like the survivors and you can like set it up. It's it's like Halo. It's, it's all just wacky multiplayer scenarios and you just set up the modes, the maps, the character dynamics, the weapon dynamics, the player account, all these things. You just weigh them and you tip the scales in many different directions with a bunch of factors and you come up with wacky, zany multiplayer fun. And I think this sounds really, really fun. I'm very curious to see how this goes with online matchmaking. So, for example, as someone who won't have a lot of people to play this game with, as someone who will likely play this game alone, you know, we'll probably play this on stream actually when it comes out. I look at this game and I'm like, okay, so let's say um, I want to play this. Like, do I, can I scroll through like a custom, can I scroll through the portal mode and be like, oh, here are a bunch of people who've created custom matches. These are the kinds of game rules they set up and I can join their match. You know, is it like they're made public or is it like they're all private and you just got to invite your friends? That can't be the case because no one in the world has that many fucking friends since battlefield maps are fucking huge. So I'm just kind of curious to see the logistics and how this all works out. I'm sure there's a lot of public matchmaking involved with it. But I think this sounds really cool on paper. Lots of opportunities for some really crazy, zany, fun uh, multiplayer scenarios. And like I said in the past, like I I always want to love Battlefield, but I always suck at it. It's just not my thing. I'm not very good at it, and I end up not being into it. But Battlefield 1942 and Battlefield Bad Company 2 are two of my favorite Battlefield games. Battlefield 3, I actually liked a lot, um, not as much as the two I just mentioned. And Battlefield 2042, obviously the one coming out, I've actually been pretty keen on, despite not usually being a Battlefield fan. So the fact that they're really pulling from some of my favorite Battlefield games actually has me kind of intrigued. I wish they had Battlefield 1 in here as well, but I understand why they can't. Nonetheless, I actually thought this was a pretty cool announcement. Like, if The only thing that could have made this cooler would be if they did that tease for Battlefield 2042 a month or two ago like they did, and then they're like, Stay tuned for EA Play Live for the official gameplay reveal. And they had the full multiplayer reveal plus this. That would have been awesome. Because it would have been like, whoa, we've never seen this game in action. And you have so much news to share and it looks awesome. That would have been a big reveal. But it's the fact that they teased it and then showed a little trailer. And then they were there at Xbox's E3 to show the game in depth. And now they're here again to show it. It's just like, it's not as exciting that way. But I get it. Xbox is the official like partner the official platform of this game, so they had they had kind of an obligation for marketing purposes. I get that, but yeah, whatever. I still think they actually managed to have a pretty interesting announcement for Battlefield, despite the fact that they've already shown a lot of it and announced it multiple times in the past few months. So I was pleasantly pleased with that. And then lastly, they closed on a teaser. So this is the last one. You guys might remember, it was only like two weeks ago, maybe, where the big news story was that there was a rumor going around that that EA Motive, the guys behind Star Wars Squadrons and the campaign on Star Wars Battlefront 2 2017, there was a rumor that those guys were hard at work on a remake of Dead Space, which was a game, of course, made by Visceral, who are now a defunct studio because EA fucking hates good people. All right, so those rumors turned out to be true, and their closing announcement was a teaser trailer for Dead Space Remake, confirming, yes, EA Motive is working on Dead Space, uh, a remake. It's in development for next-gen consoles, so PS5, Xbox Series X, and S, and PC. And that's all it really was. It was just a tonal tease. It wasn't like they didn't really reveal much of it, which is totally fine. But I, I immediately thought, like, damn, I actually kind of feel bad for EA because the this rumor just entered the fray, like, a few weeks ago. 
if they could have just kept this rumor under wraps for just a few more weeks, this would have been a fucking awesome blowout announcement. This would have been so cool if they were just like, uh, yeah, um, uh, Battlefield 2042 will be there and expect a big surprise. And people are like, oh, what's the big surprise going to be? More disappointing Mass Effect news or what? Well, what's it going to be? But they came out and they're like, oh, Dead Space is getting a remake. People would have lost their shit. People would be like, holy fuck, that's so cool. But unfortunately, a little bit of the, the steam was taken out of sale because, you know, we, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. It, you know, it's, it's one thing if it's like, initiative or a playground games kind of rumor where it's like we knew playground was working on fable for years before it was announced we knew the initiative was working on perfect dark for like over a year before we had it confirmed so like the fact that we've been rumoring it for so so long by the time we finally got that announcement it was pretty exciting because it was like finally a confirmation word on that rumor i love it but th this is different because this is like we just got this rumor. It's really fresh in our minds. And now you're confirming it. It kind of makes it, it kind of just really spoils the fun rather than like it's one thing if it's like, oh, yeah, for years there have been rumors that EA Motive is making a dead a dead space remake. But uh, who knows if it's real or not? It's just rumors. And then they announce it today. And it's like, holy shit, the rumors were real. The rumors were real. But the fact that it was just leaked, it was just rumored a few weeks ago. And now we're getting the announcement. I feel like really lessens the blow or like the 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 punch in the excitement um so i, I kind of feel bad for them in that regard but nonetheless it's cool to see that this is real i know people are really excited about this and yes a, a handful of you have already asked me yeah why do you you haven't played dead space you gotta play dead space when are you gonna play dead space i plan on giving dead space a try listen dead space is not a game i skipped down on because i didn't think it was my kind of game Dead Space is just one of those many games that fell victim to. It kind of came out at a time where I was like a sad, mopey emo kid in high school. And all I cared about was girls that didn't like me back and emo songs that made me feel shit on the school bus with my head down in the morning. That's all I cared about back in those days. So I missed out on a lot of things like the Dead Spaces and the Mass Effects. It's nothing against these games. It's just there was a time, there was a place, there was a wave of excitement for these games. And unfortunately, because my head and heart just wasn't there, I just wasn't in that mood at the time, I kind of missed out on a lot of these games dead space just kind of fell victim to that wave of games i still want to play these games i still think they look cool i don't doubt it i've always said atmospherically dead space kind of looks like what i wish metroid prime always was because it's not puzzly it's not hard to figure out it's a little more action but it's very atmospheric it has a lot of horror atmosphere and things like that and i think if metroid prime tried to be a little more linear a little more horror-like and leaned into that spookiness that like kind of intensity it has i think those games could be really fucking awesome so I've always w admired Dead Space in that regard because it kind of seems like it fulfills what I want Metroid to be. So I, I want to play Dead Space. I definitely want to, you know, obviously EA Play and Game Pass, these games are all available. So I want to try and give this series a go before this remake comes out so that I can compare the two and not just have only the context of the new game. But rest assured, guys, this is EA we're talking about here. There is a huge chance that this game is announced way prematurely and that we don't see this thing released for at least three years. So realistically, I honestly think it probably comes out in two years, but uh, this is probably a 2023 game. But still, I mean, I, we, we've got time to kill. This isn't like the game's not coming out tomorrow. Like, calm down. But yeah, I agree. It looks exciting. I know people are excited about it. And I think this was a decent announcement. We Listen, they can't control so much the fact that the news leaked on this. So I'm not going to give EA crap for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
fucking yeah this is this is an exciting announcement this is a good announcement so i say the codemaster stuff was pretty solid maybe not for everyone but pretty solid the battlefield 2042 stuff ended up being surprisingly pretty exciting and the dead space reveal really cool so i'll give them credit for all three of those everything else was a bunch of filler bullshit that i don't give a crap about so what else is there to say in that regard but some important things to note guys respectfully ea spared us all didn't talk about fifa didn't talk about madden they're big money makers the things they always bore us to death with the things they always force us to watch all these events they finally got the hint that listen this core gamer market doesn't give a fuck about madden the people playing madden are the madden players not the hardcore gamers the madden fans those people are not watching your fucking e3 event no one cares so I think props to EA for having the foresight to be like, let's let's maybe not talk about the the Maddens and the FIFAs of the world this time because no one gives a shit. So first of all, props there. Second of all, I just want to put it out there for the millionth time. Dragon Age, the new Dragon Age game that they've been teasing for probably five or six years now. Pretty much vaporware at this point. They've been talking about this game since like a year or two after Dragon Age Inquisition came out. Inquisition came out in 2014. That was the last Dragon Age game we got. I'm pretty sure they've been teasing a new Dragon Age game since like 2016. So this game, the new Dragon Age game is teetering on the on the edge of like vaporware at this point. It's just like, what even is that? And then we know they're working on a new Mass Effect game, which is obviously years and years away from being ready to show. So no surprise there. Um, that's a Bioware and they're kind of a mess because they keep gaining and losing talent left and right. Um, and then aside from that, no word from Respawn on anything. They have nothing to show, nothing about Jedi Fallen Order, nothing about a new project, just another update on Apex Legends that could have been a Wednesday announcement any week. So some interesting choices there. And lastly, this is the one I think was kind of a dick move. No information on Skate 4. They announced Skate 4 last year in a typical EA way where they're just like, here's a developer talking in front of a a monitor, a computer monitor with a picture of a skateboard in front of it. Um, Skate 4, bye. (laughs) And then today and yesterday, the Skate Twitter account was like tweeting at fans and shit saying things like, oh yeah, if you keep asking us sarcastically, yeah, I'm sure we'll show gameplay today. It's like, don't engage fans like that. Do not, when there is an EA event happening where people are expecting big announcements and unexpected things to happen, don't go around tweeting at your fans and hyping them up and being tongue-in-cheek with them and, and, and playing around with them about like, oh, we might announce this or, oh yeah, keep up the good work. We're going to announce it if you keep fucking bugging us about it. Like, don't even engage. Like, if you're not going to be there, if we're not going to get any update on Skate 4, which there should be an update this year then just don't show up. Don't say anything. Like, just respect the people enough to be like, hey, we're not going to be here today, so let's just ghost. Because at least that's better than giving people false hope and getting their, you know, just giving their hopes up for nothing. So I kind of thought that was a little shitty, but also maybe a little funny because I don't really care about skate. So it's kind of fun to watch other people suffer. But all joking aside, that was the EA Play Play Live event. Nothing super, super out of the ordinary. Nothing super exciting. Um, But... I gotta say it, guys, especially with all this Activision shit coming up, I'm a Call of Duty guy. I prefer Call of Duty to Battlefield, but I feel a lot of pressure to maybe, like, put my foot down and stop supporting Activision, and I'm looking, I'm like, I might have to get Battlefield 2042. This new mode looks cool. The game aesthetically looks great. I know Battlefield never fucking drives with me, but I'll probably never learn my lesson. Maybe this is the year where I just say, fuck you, Call of Duty. I'm not playing you. Battlefield, let's do it. Let's just, let's just give it a try. And I'm a hypocrite, so I'll probably come back to Call of Duty at some point, but this is what I'm thinking at this point. I don't know. 
This is just this is just uh this is just puff out your chest and try to be a big boy, Jesse. Today, tomorrow might be a different story, but let's move on with the rest of the news because there was a regular run of news this week, so this episode might be a little longer than usual, but that's okay. It's a it's it's a big news week, so we'll get into all the rest. And uh, so yeah, let's let's do it now, boy. All right, so this next one is one of those ones I didn't read because I want to have a, like a kind of raw reaction to it when we write it on the show. So Windows Central is reporting that after Gears Tactics and Gears Five, the coalition has had a bit of a question mark hanging over it. Given the ending of Gears Five, a Gears Six is all but inevitable. But the next. But what exactly is the next game from the coalition? Maybe not a Gears of War game, according to a LinkedIn profile listing. A developer working at the Coalition recently updated their LinkedIn profile to note that they are working on levels for a new IP. IP stands for, of course, intellectual property, generally referring to a specific game franchise. Gear 6, therefore, couldn't be a new IP because it is part 6 in a long-standing IP. Meaning that this new game is something new entirely. The Coalition recently demonstrated their work in Unreal Engine at a recent tech event. Sorry, running on the Xbox Series X. But back when they were uh, Black Tusk, they showed a CGI trailer for a ga- for a proposed game that was later shelved in favor of taking over the Gears of War IP when Epic Games stepped away from it. That was back when Microsoft picked up the franchise from Epic Games. Since changing its name to The Coalition, the studio has worked on Gears 4, 5, and Tactics, garnering consistent success and acclaim. Many people have wondered what the talented team could do if they stepped away from Gears for a little bit, and it certainly seems as though the studio is at least interested in exploring what that could mean. So, let's just say this. I think there's a strong possibility that at the Coalition, there is a second team that is working on a different IP. I I find it totally plausible to believe the Coalition is a team that has probably grown enough in numbers that there is a main team that's working on Gears of War, in a sub team that was maybe working on Gears Tactics or maybe just like general, like smaller aspects of the Gears War campaigns and things like that, but are now kind of freed up or, or have been kind of staffed up rather to propose and pitch a new project. Because I, here's the thing is Gears of War is still incredibly successful and it's still very uh, critically beloved. But the thing is, I, I don't, I don't think Gears of War is in a place right now where it's as important, I want to be careful about how I say this, I don't think it's as important or critical to the Xbox lineup as it was in the Xbox One days. And let me elaborate on what I mean by that. Gears of War is one of the most important Xbox franchises, and I don't think it's going anywhere. That's not what I'm saying. But in the Xbox One days, Xbox had fewer studios and fewer IP. And so there was a lot of weight on the shoulders of, like, the next Forza, the next Gears of War, the next Halo. And... That's part of what kind of did the Xbox One dirty is people were ready to move on from the 360 era and play some new experiences. Like all the rage during the PS4 Xbox One days was like, oh, these story driven third person linear borderline no gameplay Sony games that are like beautiful to watch, engaging stories and kind of vapid gameplay like Uncharted and Last of Us and stuff like that. No offense, but. You know, that stuff became very popular. And then on the flip side, what became very popular was like, oh, these multiplayer hero shooters and games as a service and MMO lights like Destiny and Overwatch and all this kind of shit blew up and became huge. And when you look at the Xbox lineup, it was like, yeah, Halo's still great. Gears is still great. But this whole like single player shooter campaign that's eight hours and then a multiplayer arena based competitive kind of counterpart, you know, piece to it. It's like. Those were still great games, and people like a lot of us and myself gobbled them up, no problem. But, like, those were very, like, it 
kind of games for the Xbox 360 PS3 era. So it was just like there was an era to the Xbox one where it was like, listen, here's five Gears four, Halo five, whatever, totally fine games. But like the whole eight hour FPS campaign with a multiplayer component is a very like 2008 kind of thing. And the 2015 kind of thing is like a game where a monkey has in-game events and a girl wears a chicken costume and fingers herself in some fan art. And then everyone gets really excited because Blizzard made it and we make a bunch of weird pornography of the monkey guy touching the chicken egg suit girl. And we call the game Overwatch and millions of people play it. And then people like me are left scratching my head like, why the fuck am I weird for liking Sonic when this is popular? But that's okay. That's okay. That's what people liked in the three six in the Xbox One PS4 generation, they liked the Last of Us. They liked the Uncharted's. They liked the uh, the Rainbow Six Quarantines or, or or whatever it's called, Rainbow Six Siege, whatever. And these were the popular games, and people got all into them, and they made the pornographic fan art, and that's great. That's fine. But this is the point I'm trying to make with all the joking and the tangents aside. Gears of War, for as much as I love it, remember, when Gears 5 came out and this podcast was very young, I was talking about, I had a whole episode on why I think Gears 5 is just as good as the best PlayStation 4 exclusive. I think it's just as good as a God of War or Uncharted 4 or whatever you want to say. Um, And I still stand by that statement. But the thing is, I think there is a burnout from from the consumer base of like, Gears is great and we want more Gears, but also... Let's do something else. And I think that kind of attitude is so, it's so palpable. It's so, it's so, it's so tangential. I think everyone can feel it and sense it when, you know, when Coalition comes out and says, here's the next Gears of War. It's like, sure, all of us Gears fans love it. And it ends up, you know, Gears 5 is the best Gears game ever. It's great. But I, I think it's kind of, it's something you can feel in the air when these games come out where it's just like, yeah, but... This just isn't like the it thing these days. And I think there are probably enough people of the coalition who feel that way, who are like, listen, we love Gears of War. Gears of War is the game that made us. It's the game that's given us this platform and these legs to keep doing what we do. But wouldn't it be nice to have a project that's like not tied to Gears? It's like we're free to do our own thing. Maybe we want to make the monkey hero shooter guy with a, a black cloak over his head running around shooting people and assisting in the overwatch arena. Maybe we want to make our game like that. Who knows? Um, and I think it's very likely that now that the, the weight is lifted off the shoulders of the coalition, lifted off the shoulders of three, four, three, because Xbox has 8 billion fucking studios and game pass to sell Xbox. I think it's very plausible that someone up there at Xbox, Matt booty, Aaron Greenberg, someone has gone to the coalition and said, you know what? It's okay if Gears 6 takes a little longer to come out than Gears 5 did because we're not as reliant on Gears of War right now. There's not as much a drought for Xbox content. You know, we don't need Gears of War to help fill in the content gap right now the way we needed Gears 4 and Gears 5 back in the Xbox One days. So if you guys want to do a second team and you want to pitch us a new idea and we can do Gears of War, but we can also have a second project, we're open. we're, we're all ears. You let us know. And, and that's what I'm getting at. I think there's a very big possibility that that is a conversation that's happened at the Coalition and that Xbox is all in for that. Because remember, remember the whole thing I was talking about. The real beauty of Game Pass, the things people don't talk about enough, is that Game Pass isn't great because $60 and $70 games are now all included 
in this $15 a month subscription service. No, the real beauty of Game Pass is it's not about what the consumer, well, in the end, it is about what the consumer gets, but it's about the creative freedom afforded to game developers and game publishers. It's now that people are going to play the game no matter what because new content is launching to a service they're already subscribed to. It gives creative teams the freedom to be like, well, now we can make a little bit more of an obscure game or a bite-sized game or a game that might be kind of genre-bending or just out of the ordinary, something that might be really fucking hard to sell to someone as a $60-only standalone product, but might be really easy to get someone to try when it's included in a service they're already paying for. And that's the beauty of Game Pass. And I think if Xbox really wants to embrace that, and I know they do, because if you listen to Phil Spencer, these are the kinds of things he talks about more or less. He he gets all over the place talking about all the things and all the outlets just want to cover the sound bites of Phil thinks this about PlayStation. Phil, Phil says this about Halo. It's like, no, no, no. If you really listen to the actual important shit Phil Spencer talks about, this is kind of what he's getting at. Is that now creatives and studios are left with the freedom to make really interesting stuff because it's viable on a platform like Game Pass. And so... I think it's really possible that teams like Coalition have another studio. Teams like uh, like Playground have another studio. Teams like Rare have another studio. Maybe even 343 has another studio. We don't know. Because there, there's room for it. Obsidian has another studio. We know that. Think about Grounded. Why does Grounded work? Did they charge money for Grounded? No. Grounded wouldn't work if it, had, if it cost $30, $40 to get in. But it's included in Game Pass. And people love it. And it's growing. And it's It's happening. Grounded is a beloved game that has its audience and it works because Game Pass makes it work. And so I I think there's probably a big push at Xbox like, yes, do this. Remember Bleeding Edge? Everyone's already forgotten about Bleeding Edge even though it's only like a year old. The game fucking sucked, don't get me wrong. But the reason why Microsoft could take a chance on that is because, yeah, Game Pass. It might work. It might not. A lot of these games won't work. A lot of these things, it's, it's a lot of throwing shit at the ceiling and seeing what sticks. But Game Pass makes this a viable thing for people to do. It kind of, in a way, you know how I'm always bre- like complaining about how we lost the middle tier, we lost the double A, we lost the licensed movie tying games? In a way, Game Pass kind of offers a way for that stuff to come back. Because now we can get weird again with the genres, weird again with what is an appropriate length for a video game. How much content should a video game have? Now we can kind of get weird with that and be a little more creative and have a little more free reign to play around with these ideas because... It's not about, I spent $60 for this game, I should get this, I expect this. It's like, no, you subscribe to Game Pass, and you get the games you get. Sometimes you get Halo Infinite, sometimes you get Starfield, but sometimes you get Bleeding Edge, and sometimes you get Grounded. And I think, well, you get Grounded from your Xbox and you can't play Game Pass, but that's not what I meant. But you you see what I'm talking about? And I'm I'm getting very philosophical and all up in my own ass, as I tend to do a lot on this show, but I think every time I see a story like this, I just, I keep thinking about that again and again and again. I'm telling you guys, give it two years, give it three years. You're going to see a ton of this on Game Pass. And a lot of it's going to be coming from the first party. A lot of it is going to be all these studios Microsoft has acquired. Yeah, they've got Avowed in the, in, in the oven. They've got Elder Scrolls Six in the oven. They got all these games baking, the Fableds, the, the, the uh, Perfect Darks. But these teams probably also have a second team, a smaller second team that gets to do more artsy shit, that gets to do more creative shit, that gets to kind of twist around and do some things that in the Xbox One days, in the PS4 days, a lot of publishers would be like, that's cute, but no, because we don't know how to make that work for a $60 retail box game. And Game Pass affords them that. So I think 
That's probably what's happening here. The next big game from the Coalition is most likely Gears of War 6. But there's probably a smaller team working on something else. And I can't wait to see what that is. Might be a while. Who fucking knows? Anyway, we got to move on, guys. This is a long week, and I'm just, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just sitting here talking to myself in my boxers, all philosophically. IGN reports that Ubisoft has unveiled its next game entry in the Tom Clancy universe, X Defiant, a free-to-play six vs six shooter featuring ground maps from across Tom Clancy's universe. The Tom Clancy Games universe, whatever. It's being developed by Ubisoft San Francisco, which is led by a bunch of people who drive hybrid cars and probably eat vegan food. But And, and that studio is led by Mark Rubin, an executive producer, and Jason Schroeder as creative director. Not Jason Schreier. Don't fucking... I, I know what you're thinking. No. In the revealed trailer today, we got to look at a number of competitive FPS features, including a number of maps, characters, and abilities. One of the more notable features is the playstyle customization, where players first select a faction from among Tom Clancy's universe groups, such as the Wolves from Ghost Recon, the Echelon from Splinter Cell, the Outcast Cleaners from Division, and more. With more planned for release after launch and with its own unique abilities, blah, 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 blah. X Defiant is coming to Xbox Series S, S, X, X, S, S, 1... 1X, 1S, not OG Xbox, PC, and a beta is planned for PC on August 5th, with no official solid release date announced just yet. Now, you might be saying, Jesse, why the fuck did you read that story like you were having a stroke the whole time? Well, because if you can't tell by the actual content of the story here, this information is boring. So we got to find a way to do something, something with it. Something's got to happen here. Because I don't know if you guys watched the video for X Defiant. I, I tried to watch the announcement trailer for it simply to prepare myself for this week's podcast. And I fell asleep in the two and a half minutes of that trailer. It's just so fucking boring. I don't know what to say. I Listen, here's the thing. Let, let me play both sides real quick. Because I don't want to stay on the story too long because I'll fall asleep again. This game literally looks like... Tom Clancy's Call of Duty Mobile. It has that... I don't know if you guys ever played Call of Duty Mobile before, but it, it, it's very heavily... It, it draws from a lot of popular Call of Duty games, but it feels very much like it's from the Black Ops 3 era of Call of Duty. And this game looks like Black Ops 3. It just looks like a box that says, Tom Clancy's Call of Duty Black Ops 3 Mobile, free to play. And there's nothing wrong with this. I'm sure someone's going to play it. Someone's going to like it. Remember Hyperscape or whatever that, that game they made last year that no one plays? Whatever. I'm sure this will be so, for someone somewhere. It pulls from Ghost Recon, from Splinter Cell, from The Division. But it's just a Twitch-based FPS free-to-play game. It doesn't look bad. The gameplay doesn't look bad. Don't get me wrong. It's free-to-play. I'll probably download it and give it a shot just to see what it's like. Whatever. But the fact that... <laughs> well, one, people are just dying for Splinter Cell to come back. And two... This is what you have to show. After all this silence, after all this like, yeah, we're just making another Far Cry. Yeah, we're just making another Assassin's Creed, this and that. And it's just like a lot of sameness. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's something new for you guys. Here's something real new. Ready to have your minds blown? A free-to-play game with a lot of characters from games you love, but in a format no one fucking asked for. I'm like, okay, remember that EA or that Ubisoft investors call earlier in the year where they were kind of talking about this they're like hey we want to make linear single player adventure games but we also want to try to diversify our portfolio get into more free-to-play content that will bring in money to help invest further into those single player games and things like that this is what they were talking about so good on ubisoft for being pretty transparent about it and so far they're 
their kind of game plan being very much in line with what they were talking about with investors. This is transparency. This is honesty. So respect them for that because they, Hey, they warned us about this in advance and now this is what we're getting. The other thing I want to bring up in trying to play devil's advocate and just be kind of like, Oh, well let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Everyone in their mom in the game sphere is saying, where the hell is Splinter Cell? Where the fuck is Splinter Cell? We want Splinter Cell. It's been the story for like three years now. Everyone wants Splinter Cell to come back. But I almost wonder if Ubisoft looks at Splinter Cell and looks at the sales of the franchise and the popularity of the franchise and says, listen, we know there's a very vocal fan base of gamers that really love Splinter Cell. These games were really important, especially back on the OG Xbox and things like that. But when we look at the way our modern games sell and the way that Splinter Cell games historically sold, Splinter Cell is not the end-all be-all. It's kind of like, remember when EA was like, we don't want to make another Mirror's Edge because Mirror's Edge didn't do so well. And then a lot of people, myself included, were like, Mirror's Edge was so good. It was so underrated. Please bring back Mirror's Edge. And then they brought back Mirror's Edge and then no one played it and no one bought it and the game sold like shit. And EA was like, look, we fucking told you. Remember that? So I feel like Ubisoft is kind of doing that with Splinter Cell where they're just like, and now that's not really fair because Splinter Cell as a franchise has sold way better than Mirror's Edge. But I almost wonder if it's just like, not that Splinter Cell sells bad because we know Splinter Cell games actually sell quite good, quite well. But I wonder if it's one of those things where Ubisoft goes, yes, a, a new Splinter Cell game would sell well. We would make profit off of it. It would be successful. Things would happen. People would be happy, whatever. But a new Splinter Cell game, according to our data, our numbers, our research, would not even come close to selling in the way that a new Assassin's Creed sells, a new Far Cry sells. Keep in mind, games like Division, games like Far Cry, games like Assassin's Creed, these are some of the absolute best-selling games in the entire games industry right now. Like, Far Cry sells so fucking well. I don't, like... Far Cry sells so many millions of more copies than than Splinter Cell. And I wonder if Ubisoft is just looking at this and being like, yeah, we know you guys are vocal. We know you want Splinter Cell. But the fact of the matter is we can either make another Far Cry and sell 12 million units of that, or we can make another Splinter Cell and sell 3 million, 4 million units of that. And it just comes down to one of those things of like simple economics, man. Like we got to go where the money is and the money is much more with Division, much more with Far Cry, much more with Assassin's Creed, and not so much with Splinter Cell. So I'm sure to an extent it's that, and they just keep trying to appease fans by being like, listen, we can't give you more Splinter Cell right now, but we can put some Splinter Cell nods in this game here and this game here. Does that is that helpful? But I think that actually exacerbates things because fans just get even more upset. They're like, listen, if you're not going to give us Splinter Cell, just don't even tease us. Just don't even mention it. Pretend Splinter Cell doesn't exist. And that's kind of where we are at this point. Now, I'll be honest, I just, I really didn't grow up playing Splinter Cell. I always had an infatuation with it in the early Xbox days because I knew it was like such a big thing for Xbox. But stealth just wasn't my thing when I was like eight years old. So I was like, oh, Splinter Cell looks so cool. I'll I'll go play Spider-Man for the millionth time, you know? So I, I can't speak to it too much, but I know this is something that a lot of fans are hurting for. And I just can't get over the fact that it's like, Another just generic bullshit free-to-play Call of Duty looking ripoff game that may or may not take off. And you're going to use assets and, and, and callbacks from beloved things like Splinter Cell, which have just been dead and dormant for years, while fans are begging and crying for more. And you're just like, yeah, 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 here's a free-to-play shooter you don't care about. <laughs> so, whatever. 
I'm trying to give Ubisoft the benefit of the doubt because I'm sure it's it has a lot more to do with what I'm talking about. But at the same time, it's like, you got to feel for the fans a bit, right? All right. We got a few more here. This one, I just want to, I just want to gloss over real quick. I don't want to get too into this because I brought this up before. Wait, let's just, let's, okay. Windows Central reports that Crossfire X is in a strange situation. The game was announced um, as the latest entry in the long running popular Korean uh, franchise, blah, blah, blah. And the new game set coming to Xbox, uh, Xbox Series X as a console exclusive, whatever. Crossfire X was suddenly delayed towards the end of 2020, um, pushed from its original fall 2020 window to 2021. And then, and ever since that delay, people have just been waiting in a long silence, waiting for more news. But today, we finally got an update from Crossfire X's development saying, Smilegate, saying that um, the developer... It, the developer is specifically speaking to the multiplayer portion of the game, which is the free-to-play part of the game that Smilegate is actually developing themselves. The campaign, of course, is being developed by Remedy Entertainment, the guys behind Control and Quantum Break and Alan Wake. So in the update, the developer shows a lot of graphical improvements and things they're working on in the game, talking about massive lighting and reflection enhancements and texture improvements and things like that. The other half uh, of the update, the developer reveals through new multiplayer maps, talking about new... Uh, new map details and 15 versus 15 battlefield esque game modes and things like that an invasion mode a spectator mode all these things right and then they talk about a new map for a 16 player infects infested mode which sounds kind of like you know other infested or infected modes from other games but after all these updates uh, the developer basically says that they are working on crossfire x and that the release is in the near future this year so they promise that it's still coming out in 2021 this is still the year it's a console exclusive Xbox Series S and X and as well as Xbox One. But they they give all these updates on the multiplayer. And they say, hey, it's still coming in 2021. And we get nothing on the campaign. The campaign that's supposed to be developed by Remedy. The campaign that we still haven't seen anything for other than a cinematic trailer. The campaign for a game that was supposed to release in 2020. This is like if Halo Infinite, if 343 and Microsoft last year were like... Guys, we're sorry. Halo Infinite has been delayed till 2021. They say that in like October or September or something. And then they just keep their fucking mouths shut until July. Imagine they just never say anything. 343 never says a thing. Microsoft never says a thing. Phil Spencer never says a thing. Nothing. And then in July, they're just like, by the way, here's an update on Halo Infinite. You can see the graphics are a lot better. Here's some details about the multiplayer. Uh, It's still coming out in 2021, whatever. And it's like, well, what about the campaign? They're like, ah, whatever. It's just like, guys, again, this game is starting to sound like vaporware in a sense, at least the campaign portion. And I'm I, I'm just a little dubious on uh, this this entire project. It was announced with like a big shebang. It was like, whoa, Remedy's making the campaign. That's amazing. They make great stories and it's exclusive to Xbox. Oh my God, this is going to be so cool. And the multiplayer is free to play and it looks kind of cool, like a Desert Storm, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty thing. Wow, this is so cool. Wow, wow, wow. And then it got delayed. And then we never heard from it again. And the campaign is MIA. And every time we do hear from Remedy, they're talking about new games that are in partnership with the Epic Game Store. And they're talking about new games in the uh, Control universe they're working on. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys are not a big team. How are you spreading yourself so thin? Who was working on this fucking Crossfire X campaign if you guys are working on a spinoff for Control and three games for the Epic Game Store and apparently this as well? It's like, what? who's working on what? Because I know Remedy is not a big studio. They're a medium-sized studio. They're independent. Where? How are they doing this? They got to be stretching themselves real thin to get all this done. So 
Again, just a little update on Crossfire X. Not much we can say here other than that campaign to me kind of smells like vaporware. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, it's not coming at this point. It's they're, they're probably going to launch, if the game does launch in 2021, it's probably going to be the multiplayer component only with the campaign coming, quote unquote, at a later date. That's that's my that's my hunch. But again, I'm, I'm pretty dubious of this whole thing now. Another quick one I want to talk about touch on briefly windows central reporting a story a lot of people were talking about netflix during their uh, quarter two shareholder earnings um noted that they want to uh push more into gaming experiences for netflix uh focusing on mobile games uh they said quote we view gaming as another new content category for us similar to our expansion into original films animated and unscripted tv Games will be included in members already paid for Netflix subscription, no extra cost. Initially, we'll be primarily focused on games for mobile devices, the statement reads. They also note that it's meant to be supplemental to their movies and TVs, not replacing the content that they already have. They also said, quote, we're excited as ever about our movies and TV offerings, as you expect, a long runaway of increasing investments and growth across all of our existing content categories. But since we are nearly a decade into our push into original programming, we think the time is right to learn more about how our members value gaming. Netflix is Netflix and games is in the early stages for now. So it'll be a while before we hear anything real robust from them. So the big thing here to me is obviously everyone has Netflix on their phone, right? If you have Netflix on your TV or your Xbox or whatever, you also got it on your phone. It's the same subscription. It's just an app. This makes sense in a world where, we're moving into cloud streaming. We got Luna, we got Stadia, and of course, Xbox Cloud Gaming. This only makes sense that the OG, the king of streaming content, Netflix, well, I guess maybe that's YouTube, but Netflix, right? Uh, it only makes sense for them to get into something like this. And especially when they talk about mobile game, it's probably going to be smaller, more bite-sized, easier to stream, easier to play and digest kind of games. This makes sense for something like Netflix, Right. I could see this taking off just in concept alone, especially when you think about more premium content that's already included in your subscription. And there are so many like tens of millions of, of Netflix subscribers in the world. This makes sense on so many levels. The thing that I find interesting because this is kind of unrelated to Xbox and on its own terms, right? The thing I find interesting is we're in a world where Apple won't let Microsoft put cloud streaming apps or Game Pass apps on their app store because it is seen as competitive to their app store. Remember, Apple is so insecure about their ability to make good shit that they had to block, they had to cock block other people from putting their stuff on their app store because rather than just making good shit that can compete with Microsoft, they feel like they have to, they have to, they have to basically just silence and, and, and uh, censor Microsoft so that they've, they feel like they basically have to block Microsoft so that they don't have competition on their store because they're that fucking insecure about their ability to make good shit. So we know that that's a longstanding story at this point. If you want to play xCloud on your iPhone or your iPad, you have to do it in a web browser because Apple's a bunch of little cuck boys that won't fucking let you download the app like everyone else. So that's a separate story. But now these things play into each other because Netflix, one of the absolute biggest apps on every iPad, every iPhone, even MacBooks, at least through the browser, Netflix, one of the most commonly used things by Apple fans is now going to get into game streaming. So I want to see where the hypocrisy lies because inevitably there is no chance in hell Apple responds to this by saying, Netflix, either get rid of mobile gaming, 
or get off our app store. There's not a fucking chance in hell Apple tries to tell Netflix to get lost. So what we're going to end up with inevitably is going to be this double standard where Netflix is a longstanding partner of ours. It makes us a lot of money and we want to keep them in our app ecosystem. Microsoft can get bent. We don't want Xbox cloud streaming. And what's going to really affect this the most is if Netflix can pull this off. If Netflix tries their hand at this and it doesn't work, that's one thing. It will come and it will go and it won't affect anyone. End of story. If Netflix tries this and it works and it becomes a thing, it becomes a big thing. Because remember, Netflix is huge. It has a way bigger install base than something like uh, Game Pass, right? It has a way bigger install base than something like Apple Arcade. So if this takes off and becomes successful, now all of a sudden, that's some serious competition to Apple Arcade. That's some serious competition to the games on the App Store. So how is Apple going to respond to that? This is why I want to bring this story up, because... Yes, inherently, this is just competition for Game uh, Game Pass and xCloud because it is a game streaming service, and that is what xCloud is. But also, you know, Game Pass and xCloud are gimped in some ways blocked because of the likes of Apple and their fear of competition. But now we're about to see Apple get into a, a bit of a corner where they've blocked off someone they know they can get away with blocking, but now they're about to have one of their biggest partners and one of their biggest money makers put them in a situation where they're going to have to make a make an exception for these guys or they're going to have to block them off as well and, and build up a wall and make a bad relationship with Netflix. Now, again, I don't think there's a chance in hell Apple tells Netflix, even if this is successful or even if, it, yeah, even if it is successful, Apple uh, or Netflix, rather, you got to get off our app store. You're competing with us too much. You're you're putting up a bath. We don't like this. We can't regulate this. But remember, that was the excuse they said was that we don't want Game Pass on the Apple App Store because we can only rate the app. We can't regulate every single thing that goes into Game Pass. We can't regulate every single game that comes in and out of the service. So therefore, we can't allow it on our App Store because we can't give people a proper rating. We can't, you know, we can't warn parents about this 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 product effectively if the content's always changing, which is of course bullshit because again, Netflix has an ever-evolving catalog that adds and takes away content constantly. They put that in the app store and guess what? Netflix's content ranges from a suitable for a six-month-old baby shark to fucking um, like borderline hentai bullshit pornographic gore galore, gore galore, whatever. <laughs> so, so of course, again, we already have the double standard there. There's already a bunch of hypocrisy. Apple's just lying through their fucking teeth because they're being scummy. So, I just want to put that out there. This is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on because this is very, very interesting and very fun. Also, it'll be cool if this works for Netflix because more competition is always welcome. Makes uh, everyone have to do cooler shit, usually, hopefully. I don't know. I don't understand capitalism. All right, guys, and our wrap-up story for the week. We've got two wrap-up stories, but the first one is that while Nintendo Switch, of course, remained uh, at the lead in terms of console hardware sales uh, in the past for June 2021, we now have our NPD group numbers for the month of June, and it turns out that it turns out that even though more Nintendo Switch units were sold, uh, Xbox Series X and S actually, for the first time in like a very long time, took the top spot as the best-selling hardware platform in the U.S. in terms of dollars, uh, dollars in sales, setting a record in the U.S. for the Xbox platform. So this means more Nintendo Switches were sold than Xbox Series Xs or PlayStation 5s. But 
more Xbox Series, there was more money brought in from the sale of Xbox Series X and S than the money brought in from uh, Nintendo Switch or PlayStation 5. And of course, that's because, you know, Xbox Series X, $500, Nintendo Switch, 200 to 300 So obviously, more expensive box, more money to be made. But that is extremely interesting to note because Xbox is always last, especially in the past generation. Xbox is always dead last and I tweeted out when this story came out I would love to know how this would have played out if there was unlimited supply if there were unlimited switches Xbox Series X and S's and PS5's in the wild how would this have played out because my hunch is that PlayStation would have mopped the floor this was probably just a thing where Microsoft managed to get more Xboxes onto store shelves in June than Sony managed to get PS5's on store shelves that's my hunch but we can't be for sure, and all we have here are the numbers showing that Xbox made more money in console sales in the month of June than Nintendo or Sony, which is incredibly impressive, something that hasn't been done in many years for Xbox. So, at the very least, this is a good sign that not necessarily Xbox Series X and S are winning, quote-unquote, that it's going to be bigger than Switch or bigger than PS5. I don't think that's true, and I don't think that's what this is indicative of, but I do think it is indicative of this. People are very hungry for Xbox. People are very curious about Game Pass and very excited for Halo Infinite and the games coming out soon on Xbox and the Bethesda games that aren't coming to PlayStation now. And people are very, very, very... Uh, or, or that Xbox has a lot of lost ground it's about to make up this generation that it lost in the last generation. Again, not saying it's going to be better than PS or sell better than PS5 in the long run or anything like that. I don't think it will personally, uh, but it looks like it's in position to do significantly better at the very least. So really, really interesting numbers. At least that's what we get from this limited information. And then, of course, the MPD goes on to share uh, June 2021's top-selling 20 games um, in revenue for the month of June, blah, 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 blah. Remember, Nintendo doesn't count um, physical or digital sales, just physical sales. So all these Nintendo games sold better than what we see here. So in the number one spot, the best-selling game of the month was PlayStation 5 exclusive Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Number two was Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Three was Mario Golf Super Rush. Four, MLB The Show, which is, of course, on Xbox this year as well. Five, Scarlet Nexus, surprise link. Shout out to Scarlet Nexus. Only on the market for the last week of June. It sold very well. Love to see that. Resident Evil Village was at number six. Number seven was Mario Kart 8, a game that's been out since 20-fucking-14 and won't stop selling like crack. Minecraft at the number eight spot, again. Um, number nine, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. Ten was Mortal Kombat 11. Eleven is Animal Crossing New Horizon. Twelve is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019. Thirteen is Smash Brothers Ultimate. Fourteen is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Fifteen Super Mario World 3D. Sixteen Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Seventeen Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Eighteen Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Nineteen Pokemon Sword and Shield. And twenty Sea of Thieves. Notice that despite Microsoft's hard uh, or strong hardware sales, their exclusive games, if you will, only took the top, uh, tw the 20th space, and Minecraft doesn't really count because it's on everything, so yeah, I mean, a lot of third parties that are on Xbox are on this list, but no exclusives with the exception of Sea of Thieves, and the impressive, I mean, and the impressive thing there, though, is Sea of Thieves at the number 20 spot, considering the fact that the game is three years old, it's on Game Pass, so you don't have to buy it. And a lot of those sales are probably coming from Steam. That's really impressive stuff right there. So shout out to Sea of Thieves, which just keeps trucking along, keeps doing well. Obviously, that Pirate's Life DLC definitely helped bolster its sales that month. But I I'm really happy to see um, Sea of Thieves continue to 
just grow and crush in to see Rare be successful in some form or fashion. That's awesome. And then our last wrap-up story um, is just, as usual, an update on Game Pass games. So Xbox Wire lists new games coming to Game Pass available today. You got Battlefield 5 via Cloud and Chris Tales, Christ Tales. I don't know how you're supposed to say that. Um, cloud console and PC available now. That game just came out. It's launching into Game Pass. So that, that game actually looks pretty cool too. A little anime, a little JRPG looking, but also indie. Looks, I might have to try it out. And then coming soon to Game Pass, we got Atomic Corpse, Cloud Console and PC on July 22nd. Continuing July 22nd, we also got Raji and Ancient Epic on Cloud Console and PC, as well as Last Stop on Cloud Console and PC. On July 26th, we have Blink's Time Sweeper Cat coming to Cloud and Console. Hey, that's an OG Xbox original becoming uh, available through Game Pass. I can't wait to give that a try, actually. That's a great one. Uh, Crimson Skies, High Road to Revenge, Cloud and Console. And then on July 27th, Microsoft Flight Simulator comes out. And of course, that is an Xbox X and S exclusive. It's already available on PC, but now it's exclusively on the next-gen Xbox hardware. So that's coming out in just a few days here. And then on July 29th, we've got Lethal League Blaze on Cloud Console and PC. Omno on Cloud Console and PC. Project Wingman on PC. And The Ascent on Cloud Console and PC. Again, launching day and date into Game Pass. Cannot wait for The Ascent. My most anticipated game coming up in the next few weeks. I'm really excited to play that. We'll probably have to stream it on twitch.tv slash lightningmakestream. Leaving soon on Game Pass. Um, we got a couple games leaving. So on July 31st, we're, le- we're losing It Lurks Below on Console and PC. And we're also learning uh, The Tourist and Undermine on Console, Cloud, and PC. Um, as a side note, I just want to say in regards to streaming, I thought about this today. What if I did, what if I changed all my names? So like on Twitch, I am lightning McStream. on Twitter. I am lightning McTweet. and on YouTube, I am lightning McScene. scene as in like watch the video. Let me know what you think next. Now that we're done with all of our news, we can jump into our important enough news. News is important enough to make this podcast, but not important enough to warrant some discussion of which we have a two or three. GamesIndustry.biz reports that Tencent is set to buy Sumo Digital in a deal worth $1.27 billion, 919 million pounds, as the, of course, Sumo Sumo is uh, from the UK. The companies have announced this this past week. The offer will see its shareholders receive 513 uh, pence per share, which is about 43% of an increase on Sumo's last closing price, or 358 pence. Tencent already owns an 8.75% stake in UK games developer, which work includes the recent BAFTA-winning Sackboy A Big Adventure for Sony and Crackdown 3 for Microsoft, which, of course, was met with abysmal reception. Although Sumo does develop its own IP, it's best known for its work-for-hire projects, which it continues to do under new ownership. The cash acquisition will go through Tencent's wholly-owned subsidiary, Six Joy Hong Kong Limited, which is a very Chinese-sounding name. If agreed, Sumo will be the largest public UK games company to be bought for over a billion dollars following EA's acquisition of F1 developer Codemasters earlier this year, which we just talked about. This is huge news. Sumo, they worked on Disney Infinity a lot, actually, back in the day. Love these guys. I actually think they do great work. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. This is sad. I, uh, again, this is Tencent is a company that has lots and lots of ties to the CCP. CCP is evil. They murder their own people. They ethnically cleanse people. They silence people fighting for freedom and equality in their country. They don't allow people to vote. They don't allow people to access most of the information on the internet and inform themselves on what's going on around them. They don't let their people vote in elections or or have a say in what happens in their own country and their society. This is an impre- uh, an oppressive 
country that these people live in. And I understand it's like, well, you're just coming in with your white imperialism telling the Chinese how to live. It's like, no, no, no. I'm mad because there are millions and millions of Chinese people who live under an oppressive government that will not let them speak their minds, that will not let them have a say in the country they live in, what they want it, how they want to behave and how they want it to be shaped. They ethnically cleanse people in their own fucking country, put them in internment camps. They enslave their own fucking people and make them work for slave wages to make cheap merchandise and Xboxes and bullshit so they can sell to fucking lazy-ass Americans who are ungrateful and just turn a blind eye to this bullshit. They try to deny other nations like Taiwan of their own statehood and identity. They are an evil fucking dictatorship. And for some fucking reason, we live in a world where, like, we're supposed to care about all the social issues happening around us, all the, like, immediate American issues that we constantly bitch about that are... Like, I don't want to, I don't want to say this without being like, probably putting off a bunch of you and offending a bunch of you, but like the problems we choose to focus on in our country here in the U S at least are really not, I don't want to say small are kind of less like if we can, if we can like have a totem pole of like crimes against humanity, the kind of first world bullshit we constantly complain about in like the U S is like almost laughable to the shit happening in China. And it just blows my mind that, like, our attitude is like, well, you can't have an opinion as an American. Otherwise, it just makes you some, like, patriotic white nationalist, like, extremist that that's, like, xenophobic and can't appreciate other countries and other cultures. Like, again, to clarify, China, a beautiful country with a beautiful history, culture, incredible history, rich history, amazing culinary, excellent people. They've built and created so many amazing things. I have like China is a great country full of great people. I'm not talking about Chinese people. I'm not talking about Chinese culture. I'm talking about the communist Chinese government. And Tencent is a company, a massive conglomerate that is very closely tied with the Chinese communist party. And they are just buying up shit left and right in the games industry. They're investing in like every fucking company you can think of. They're gobbling up smaller developers and mid tier publishers and all these things left and right everywhere you can look. And it's fucking freaking me out because you think about like how many more times are we going to get like a game is announced and all of a sudden it's like, God, I wish I could remember. There was a game. I can't fucking remember this game. It just sounds like I'm making it up because I can't remember the name of the game. But there's a game that recently just got an update. And in the update, one of one of the major news outlets pointed this out. And that's the only reason why people know about it, because it wasn't in the patch notes, of course. But in the game, it refers to all this lore uh, in in the in the world, it's and it in in the lore they refer to the country of Taiwan as its own nation because it is. That's not a controversial statement. Taiwan is its own nation. It is the original government of China that's been pushed out of their own fucking mainland country because the communists pushed them out. And in this fucking game, it acknowledges Taiwan rightfully so as its own country. And then in an update for the game, that just that was erased. And they start fictionalizing countries and removing references all because Tencent has a big investment in this, in this developer and they want that information gone. It's kind of like when they were making that new Top Gun movie a few years ago and they were like, uh, Tom, Tom Cruise has got to get rid of the, has got to get rid of the, what, what was it? The, the, the fucking patch, like the Chinese, the flag patch or whatever 
on his jacket. Like the bad guys got to get rid of the Chinese flag patch and they changed it to like North Korea or something. And it was also Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War last year where the trailer had like this like montage of all these like these like horrific events that have happened to civilians and it showed Tiananmen Square for like two seconds and then China like the China the um, whoever you know Activision of China someone in China had Activision remove that scene because they didn't want them referencing Tiananmen Square they want to forget about that and sweep that atrocity under the rug where the fucking Chinese communists murdered their own fucking people for protesting for freedom so again it's just like there was that streamer that streamed like Heroes of the Storm or, or StarCraft or whatever it was who was like supporting and standing in solidarity with the people of Hong Kong during those protests like two years ago. And then they told Activision Blizzard to deplatform that guy or they were going to cut ties with them. And so they they ditched that streamer and stripped him of his sponsorship and all this shit because they want to control the message. Communist China is, listen, like, I'll sit here and judge my government all fucking day. I have plenty of issues with the political leaders in my country, but communist China is fucking, it's like a bunch of fucking babies. It's like, this is a lesson I think everyone has to learn, right? We all have a memory at some point or another when we're like six or eight years old or whatever. We're like, you get mad at someone because they think something about you differently. Like you do something and they see you as a jerk for doing it. They think you're mean because you said something. They think it was wrong of you to do something, right? And as a kid, this is a lesson you have to learn as you grow up and become a mature fucking adult that you don't get to dictate how other people view you. And once you make an action, that action's out there and people get to judge it. And once you say something to someone, people get to judge you for your words. And that's why your words matter. That's why your actions matter. And this is why you got to be careful about the things you say and the things you do and how it affects others. And it's like most of us grow up and learn what that fucking means. But this is the weird thing about like communist China. It's like they don't get that. They don't get that like, dude, you murdered your fucking people. Now you got to deal with that. Okay. You don't get to, you don't get to like just sweep that under the rug. That happened. So don't go around to other companies and be like, you can't reference Tiananmen Square in your own fucking video. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This happened, man. You don't have to be proud of it. In fact, you, you should be ashamed of yourself, but you have to admit it. You have to own up to it. This is what I'm talking about. This is like my whole, everything. Every country should own up to their atrocities. Own up to your wrongdoings. Face them. Admit that they're, they happened. They're awful and they're terrible and they're wrong, but admit them. Don't try to, don't try to whitewash this stuff. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, this is disgusting. This is terrifying. And you see talent like Sumo Digital, and now their entire parent group is just bought up by Tencent. And immediately to me, I just look at this, I'm like, never supporting Sumo again. Never buying another one of their new games ever again. I just, I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't want to support this. And I, I don't know why we're talking about This is the story is not important enough to warrant their own discussion, but here we are having a discussion. I don't know. This stuff, this stuff really creeps me out, makes me uneasy. And I can't believe it's not being talked about more. And just, I, I just simply put, I just, I just think it's insane. The kinds of conversations we have about political, like the political conversations happening in the game sphere, the social conversations happening in the progressive game sphere. You know, the games industry is one of the most pro- socially progressive fields of entertainment. It's just so like we, gaming is always at the advent of like the political climate and the social change happening in the world. But for some reason, this is one thing that the game, the entire games industry is just going to let fly over their heads. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, there's communist China telling people what they can and can't put in their games so that people don't look badly on, you know, a country, that's a, a government that's 
murdered its own fucking people. Okay. Anyway, let's just keep talking about misogyny and fucking Call of Duty or whatever the fuck it is Kotaku wants to talk about that week or the, the balance of trans people in fucking Apex Legends or that bullshit. It's like, listen, we can talk about those subjects and they matter, but like, can we talk about some like actual shit? Can we talk about people being murdered? Because doesn't that stuff, does that stuff matter to anyone? I, I just, it just it fucking drives me nuts. So, <sighs> whatever. Games media sucks. That's why I got Xbox on, so you can hear a kid in his boxers whine about communism. Anyway, I'm not trying to say, and, and I don't want anyone to take this as like Jesse's some patriotic, alt right loving freak. Because for some reason, that's for some reason to, to people, they always think that's the alternative. Is like you oppose someone else, you're some like Trump loving Republican. It's like no, I just I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying by way of this. I think my country's perfect and our system's better. Well, our system unfortunately is better and our system's broken as fuck. That's the sad part. But (laughs) what I'm saying is this is terrifying people. I guess the fair thing to say here, if you want to, if you want to help give everyone an equal share of blame here is this is where Western capitalism and greed is evil because this is where we put money and profits over human rights, because this is where American corporations should be saying, Listen, fuckers, Tiananmen Square did happen. Just like how we in the in the U.S. put Japanese people in internment camps. Just how in we, we in the U.S. kidnapped black people from Africa, brought them over here, separated them from their families and their lives, and enslaved them for generations. It's fucking disgusting. But it happened, and we should never forget it. So why are we going to let someone else forget their wrongdoings? It's not our job to go over to China and try to change everything, but it is our job to tell our creative stories, tell our historical accuracies, and stand by them with dignity and not kowtow to someone who says, if you want to sell that fucking Call of Duty game in China, you're going to get rid of that scene right now. And that, if you want to to blame capitalism on that, if you want to blame our Western greed on that, totally fair. I'm not going to argue with that. But this, this, these whole situations just constantly... Make me uneasy. And I feel like pretty soon, I feel like I'm being siloed, like funneled into this, like, well, I can only support first party Xbox games and Nintendo games. Cause these are like the only two groups where I'm like, I, I don't think any of these guys are being bought up by Tencent anytime soon. So I'll just fucking play uh, Mario and, <laughs> and Halo. And I'm safe. If I just do that, honestly, my biggest fear is that Tencent is going to invest in Sega and then I'm not going to be able to play Sonic Oh my God, I'll fucking scream. You guys have no idea. <laughs> All right. Rounding out with the last two uh, stories, important, not important, it'll make the story, whatever. Ubisoft this week announced that its upcoming Rainbow Six Extraction game has been delayed from September to January 2022, citing the usual use, uh, reasons for needing additional dev time and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of a big story that we're just kind of washing over. Um, and then last, after facing a short delay, Capcom has decided to delay the release of Resident Evil Reverse, the multiplayer tie-in um, that was set to come out in 2021 alongside Resident Evil uh, Village, but is now set to come out standalone sometime in 2022, probably because they don't want to associate it with Resident Evil Village. They probably just want to do it on its own term, try to make it its own standalone games as a service type deal. Oh, well. Now, this week's episode is running extremely long, so we're going to actually skip the new game releases of the week. The only real important one that I want to point out there is, of course, The Ascent. Um, no disrespect to the other games. So the Ascent is coming out in Game Pass July 29th. And then as a reminder, Games of Gold, we got Planet Alpha for the remainder of the month. And then we've got Rock of Ages 3, Make and Break. 
and we've got Midway Arcade Origins until the end of the month. So download your three games of gold. Thank you so much for listening, and that is going to do it for another episode of Xbox On, where we got heated for the last 20 minutes and yelled about communism in China and talked about people being oppressed and ethnically cleansed in their own country. And then I tried to put a bow on it by saying, hey, this is an Xbox podcast. Follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash lightning extreme. So pretty, uh, pretty disgusting right there, I guess. But uh, remember, if you if you still like me enough to want to listen to the show or uh, uh, watch me on Twitch or engage with me on Twitch, definitely follow me on Twitter at Jesse DeRosa. That's where I'll be making announcements about things like the podcast being delayed for EA Play or we're going to be streaming this night or, Hey, what game do you guys want to stream together tonight? Or, Hey, what Halo do you want to play? Or, Hey, what would be a good game to watch me play? Or would it be okay for me to play Sonic? Or are you guys going to all unfollow me if I play Sonic? Whatever. Follow me on Twitter at Jesse DeRosa for those updates, as well as the occasional bad political tweet. And then follow me at twitch.tv slash lightning extreme, where the more followers we get, the more we can grow. And the more we grow, the closer I get to being able to change the entire world's perception on on Star Starlink Battle for Atlas, a game that Ubisoft released in 2018 that was very, very good, that m- not many people played, but if we get a billion people watching me on Twitch, maybe I can make them watch it and, and change their mind, and then they'll all go buy it, and Ubisoft will make a sequel, and then I'll be happy in my tummy again, okay? Thank you so much for listening, guys. I ate Taco Bell tonight, which put me in a very good mood, if you can't tell. But until next week, how are your dreams? Oh, 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 o